I saw an undiscovered creature climbing on the mountainside. Welcome everyone to All About All Elite in a week where Double or Nothing sells out in four minutes. Welcome to All About All Elite where we'll talk briefly about The Undertaker, The Rock, in WrestleMania season and not be talking about WWE. Welcome to All About All Elite where we will talk about the phenomenal aspect of just the legitimacy that has been with this brand and our reasons why we think this is so. Welcome to the second episode of MLW Fusion, the Legacy Series. I am the LOP Mystic A.K.A. your one-man hype band, and I am joined by my friend and co-host, by God, my learned colleague, Mr. Miz Fan, The Brain. Greetings, Fan fans. It is another episode of All About Elite and another episode of MLW Fusion, the Legacy Series. What more could you ask for on a beautiful weekend? I'm very excited. Let's jump right into all that we've got. Okay, so before we get into kind of our bigger segments where we'll kind of sit your weight, sit down and spend some time, we're just going to briefly hit... Um, a few of the storylines that are out there right now, you know, and I've already mentioned a couple of them. So Ms. Van, number one, AEW sells out in four minutes. Apparently every state in the U.S., I think, represented and nine countries. Um, I, this can only be good news. I don't see how anyone could spin it any other way. Uh, it's, uh, it shows that people want to come to this show. It shows that the hype is recognized and it's rolling on strong. Um, even if it's a similar situation to All In, where a good chunk were taken by scalpers, then that yeah. it's just another sign that um, that people that the demand for this show is well known. So that it, it's still just a good sign, flat out. I, I love it. I'm very happy for him to be succeeding on this level. Yes, sir. As somebody who had to pay probably three or four times more than what I would have to be at All In, you know. <laughs> It, all it says is people really want to be there. It's a big thing. It's a good thing. Uh, we'll break it down more in the next segment when we talk about the legitimacy because um, I think it has to be addressed. Now, at the end of that, I'm gonna hit. I'm gonna hit both sides. I'm, I'm gonna represent that other audience because sure, I get it, critic. Selling out all in is not doing 40 years of weekly TV or 30 or 20 or 10 or whatever the hell the argument is. But you know what it is? It's hitting the goal that is in front of you and doing it probably in the best way that it could be done. So, mm -hmm. we'll, we'll, and it, yeah. And it's also something nobody else has done in, you know, however many years. So, yeah. you know, we're forging some new ground. And you, you've got to take it one step at a time, obviously. You can't sell out like you said, 40 years of television in four minutes. It's just, you know, it, it's an illogical argument. Yeah. After we finish our five, I have a bit of a message, and I will. I am anxious to see how you will receive it because you were uh, the original uh, positive guy in the pro wrestling community. <laughs> True. Um, and so I'm going to visit how safe it is to be the negative person and, and what a risk it is to be positive. And why that is, unfortunately so. So, hey, did you get your ticket? Were you one of the four minute people? I have decided that I'm not going to attend. Fair enough. Um, 
I have, I'm in my fourth year of my PhD. I've been home about four days in four years. And so I decided that I am taking um, all of June and July and I'm going home. So very smart. Um, I am hoping, I don't know where I'll be because my life is still up in the air, but if I'm still in the Midwest, I'm hoping that, you know, we'll get all out or all in or whatever in Chicago again. If so, you know, that'll be a more feasible, you know, try. Yep, if so, there's a good chance that I'll be attending that one as well. So awesome. I'll just bring it close enough that I can drive and I'll be there. Sounds good. You know who else is going to be there when we talk about Double or Nothing? He's going to be at StarCast 2. Ladies and gentlemen, The Undertaker. Indeed. A big announcement. Undertaker making a non-WWE appearance of sorts in the U.S. Um... I think it is cool. I think it's uh, the right place for Undertaker right now to be at a, a Legends convention signing autographs. Um, yes. I know some people are like, oh, it's, it doesn't have the mystique of the Undertaker character. And I guess, but I, it doesn't matter that much to me. Um, you know, he's just a guy. Like, yep. separate one from the other. It, it can be done. Um, uh, I, honestly, people are making a lot of this. I don't know if it's really that important in and of itself. But I like the look of it. It's a good look, I think, for uh, Undertaker to be coming to an AEW-associated event. It makes him look a little more big-time, maybe. So I'm, I'm all for it. I got no problem with it. I think it's cool. It's so strange because you're always going to have people who can't realize, number one, that StarCast is not AEW. Yep. And the minute Undertaker goes to StarCast, they're going to want to see him wrestle. Yeah. Which I don't want to see, and you don't want to see. But somehow we think this is a positive and a good thing for Undertaker, for AEW, for StarCast, for all of that. Because he's not wrestling, you know? And that's such a weird stance, because it seems like the majority of the opinion is either, you know, Oh, well, The Undertaker never had a, 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 a um, undefeated streak at WrestleMania. He's always been shit. That's, that's <laughs> you know, that old man. You know, people pissed off that The Undertaker would shame his legacy. Or people who, like, put him in the ring. Put him in the ring with Brock Lesnar and and Jericho. And then we got a promotion we can watch in AEW. So, I am with you in that. I think it gives a nice little shine. And we'll talk about this with a tweet uh, next. But this is what this is what created that legitimacy um, segment that we're doing next. Is because I remember... Back when I was watching TNA regularly and there was a little bit of a buzz that Jericho might come to TNA. And I thought, oh, my God, you know, Jericho, like, would you bless us with your legitimacy? <laughs> like, it really felt like that because of the hostility that not only fans, but the business seemed like gave to TNA. And for whatever reason, you got guys, you got The Undertaker at StarCast, you got you know Jericho and the company, so on and so forth. And the one thing I will say is. But I was thinking about going to Vegas, and I'd already, um, in my mind, I was going. And so I realized I would not have gone all the way to Vegas for StarCast 2, and I would not have gone all the way to Vegas for Double or Nothing. Mm -hmm. It's that combination. And it looks good. Sting, Bret Hart, Undertaker, you know, shout out to uh, the man of the hour, Mr. Podcast himself. Like, he's getting it done with StarCast. And that's a big freaking deal because... Last week, I felt like an old man all week because we're talking about the Young Bucks and Brandy and their vision and how far away I am from that. Mm. But then there is the same company, 
and I feel right at home because of some of the other things they're doing. So yeah, yeah, it's that buffet thing again. Mm-hmm. Something for everybody. Yeah, Chris Jericho cuts a heel promo on Twitter. He did, yes. <laughs> um, I actually thought it was a great promo. I, I'll say. Um, you know, I've talked some about I've been less excited about Jericho lately, but I'm I'm getting back into him. He kind of sometimes goes in cycles, and maybe he's cycling up uh, one last time here. Um, it was a great promo. It's probably the most excited I've been about him since he was wearing the suit, like, God, almost 10 years ago. Um, being around to big time uh, all the other wrestlers and then almost definitely put them over is something that I could be here for. In a big way, so uh, I'm, I'm into it. I'm getting more into Jericho now every time I see him. Um, and that's from a guy who really uh, was kind of done with him at one point. So that's the, you know that's very cool. I think. Yeah, I liked it a lot, and it it made me realize these guys are so seldom in character, you know, because it is not a TV deal. So you're just seeing them, and it works for some. I can watch Being the Elite sometimes, and I can get into some of them. But like when I listen to Jericho, all I got is podcasting. He's so obnoxious about Jericho, and so, you know, and good for him, because I'm not, like, this is legitimate, it's not a knock in that, like, he was a white meat baby face that nobody cared about in WCW, and now he's one of the biggest stars of all time, and he's got his own rock band, and, you know, so on and so forth, but man, I can't listen to him both for so long, and then hearing him in character, I was like, that's who you pay money for. Right. That's who you pay money, I get it now, I forgot about you, I forgot you're also a performer in professional wrestling. And man, it was good. And then The Rock responds, which I thought was awesome in that, you know, The Rock knows what he's doing. Like, you know, these guys, again, I don't know if you're cutting a promo because you're making your debut in TNA. Does, does The Rock reference that? Does The Undertaker show up? You know, so it's saying, again, and it might be bad news for us because all these things allow more WWE guys maybe to feel liberty to come in. But, you know, saying you're not bastardized. You're not outside the community. I still see you. You still exist. So I thought that was a cool moment. Yeah, it's, I, it, I, it doesn't probably mean a whole lot in the grand scheme of things, but I, I agree. It's just a nice like little thing, you know, uh, to add some legitimacy. That's that's a word you've used a lot, and I, I can appreciate that uh, aspect of it. I think it's uh, a cool thing. Yeah. Um, and finally, Cody Rhodes uh, in the latest, I think, uh, Double or Nothing promotional video comes in at the end, and uh, Brandy's looking at uh, one of the new matches, which is a three-way women's matchup. And then underneath that is Cody and a mystery opponent. And she's, is this for real? Are you, were you going to tell me about this? And so Cody with a blur against a blurred out face, which I, I love the aspect of anything that's mystery opponent that is take your time with announcing something. But the more I thought about it, with so many rumors of so many guys, this, that, and the other, Kind of a brilliant move, too, I think, just to have a mystery out there. For sure, for sure. Uh, I'm definitely cool with it being a mystery person, uh, especially since they sold out already. There's no reason to rush into anything, you know, if you if you don't want to, if you want to hold it close to the vest, that's cool. Um, I wonder a little, they may not know themselves yet, because I mentioned mm. recently that they had it down to, like, three choices, and, you know, we don't know for sure that they've actually narrowed it down so it may just be a way to uh give the fans something but kind of prolong the actual um decision point so i don't know i'm 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 interested certainly in who it could possibly be i was thinking about it nobody sticks out to me as an obvious 
home run choice. Like, I didn't think of anybody who was like, oh, if it were this guy, that would be perfect. But there's a lot of really good choices. There's a lot of uh, triples, maybe you might say. Um, so, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, Ibushi confirmed to stick with New Japan, I think, mm. uh, just recently. But if they worked out some kind of Kenny Omega kind of deal where he could also do other things, then, you know, that would be uh, quite quite a good surprise for everybody, I think. Um, beyond that, I don't know. Uh, Brian Case, Johnny Mundo, I don't know what kind of deals they have with Impact and Lucha, if they would be able to be brought in. Um, a lot of people are excited L.A. Park is going to be at uh, StarCast as well, and he's a guy who can actually do a tremendous amount of stuff right now. People might be excited about him. Um, I love if it were uh, Marty the Moth Martinez ready to be catapulted into stardom, but that seems like a long shot. And like you said, the rumors, it could be, I don't know, Dean Ambrose. It could be, God forbid, Randy Orton or somebody from the WWE. I don't know. It could be a lot of people. So I'm, I'm interested and I'm excited at who it could be. Yeah, the buzz. And this is, again, you realize how deep the AEW potential pool is because you're thinking about Japan. You're thinking about indie wrestling. You're thinking about WWE. You're thinking about past feuds. You're thinking about... People maybe he hasn't wrestled, and you know, with the the comment sections that I've seen, there's a lot of you know of the, the obvious. Maybe it's Dean Ambrose, or maybe it's Goldberg, or maybe it's Batista. You know, I really wouldn't want to be any of those. I don't, you know, this is the thing. It's the thing for all of you who feel like every time someone leaves WWE and they go to AEW or whatever anywhere else, they lost their shine. They're a piece of shit, and like they're losing their value. They sold this show out in four minutes. They didn't need The Undertaker. They'd already sold the show out. Mm-hmm. They don't need Goldberg, Batista, whoever to sell the show out. So this is all icing on the cake. They sold the show out in four minutes. Yeah. Um, the person who I would want it either to be or to be involved in this segment is the man that we're going to cover a little bit later, and that's the villain, Marty Skrull. Uh, I, don't think I would love to see be. him come in. <laughs> And just be, I don't know, either one way or the other, like wanting to wrestle Cody, but Cody's like, I'm not, I'm not going to wrestle you. I want him really to be about not being with these guys. And I'd like to see Cody end up wrestling someone else, not even wrestle this dude, or either Marty's just trying to get his time, but Cody doesn't have time, whatever. I just want to see that thing built. Um, so that's who I would want it to be. Um, I don't know who it will be. I don't know if it'll be a feud or a one-off, because... This is not in the notes, but we might as well say it. There was a false report that came out about the schedule for the rest of the year, and it had a show a month until September, then kind of all in two. Then you go right to TV in October, and I'm torn there because I, I get the marketing of that. Like you, You're going to be somewhere every month. You're building your brand. But at the same time, from a storytelling point of view, are we going to see every match You know, that's, that's possible – before they get TV, that worries me because as someone who cares more about the TV aspect, the storyline aspect, the matches aspect, I want to see them save stuff. So I don't know. I don't know how many shows we're going to get, but interesting things going down, Miss Van. Uh, for sure. And thinking back, I guess maybe it could be Skrull because his deal with Ring of Honor. April. I, I know, yeah, I think it ends uh, like the end of April or something. So, yeah, it actually possibly could be him. Um there's definitely some stuff you could do with that. Um, and, yeah, uh, as far as the shows go, you know, I think um, 
our good buddy Colt Icon uh, was was pretty adamant that they won't be running a glut of shows, just kind of like the shows that are expected at this yeah, point, so. and and not too many more. And he's pretty on the ball with this kind of stuff, so yeah. I, I tend to believe him. Yeah, and I, it's just best to me because yeah, I don't. You, you, the company in my mind, it's so hard because they say a lot of things, but the company in my mind does not spend itself before they even start TV. So I'm just, mm-hmm. we'll see though. We'll see, because you only got you got to sell out the shows, or you got to at least do a decent number. Or you know you're going you're gonna get ripped in media for a while, you know. So you really probably got to do everything you can to sell out them shows if you're gonna do them. So, but I do. I want to come to TV with some matches. I'm still looking forward to some feuds. I'm still looking forward to, and we'll see. We'll see. We'll see, Miss Fan. We'll see. Calm down. We'll see, Miss Fan. <laughs> All right, I'm calm. You got, you got me. <laughs> okay, so let's move into the legitimacy because like them. Don't like them. This this is fucking legit, and maybe part of the reason you hate them, and maybe I would feel the same way if I wasn't covering it and kind of into the WCW connection and whatnot. I might hate them because it got so much legitimacy. Because the thing I see all the time is they don't even have a TV deal. You know, they don't even have a TV deal. You know, they sold out all in, but they don't have a TV deal. They sold out, they don't have you know over and over and over and over again. So. You know, there's like a pushback. They're not legit. They're not legit. Why are you covering them? It's like the old days when everyone who worshipped CM Punk and everything he did decided, we hate CM Punk because he's not a wrestler anymore. We hate him. He left w-. And then they started posting CM Punk news stories, and they're like, why is this in here? He's not professional wrestling, and this is a wrestling website. Don't cover CM Punk. And now this is wrestling, but they're still doing the same thing. Why are you covering AEW? Why is it in the news section? They don't even have a TV deal. Well, you know what? They're still pretty legit, by God. And they're still moving ahead. And Miss Van and I are going to break down our five reasons each. Why we think they're so legit at this moment in time in February of 2019. Can I just say, I'm very happy that I don't read the comments on anything, uh, because yes, those people Marvin. sound terrible. I would hate <laughs> to talk to any person like that. Holy smokes. Uh, that hurts my stomach just to hear about it. And it was a completely accurate description. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I don't doubt it. Oh, my God. It's a cesspool in the comments section of anything. I'm not picking one commenter. <laughs> oh, my. All right, legitimacy. Let's talk about it. Okay, so I will just say on my final one, I'm going to talk for a really long time, and I apologize for that. Oh, all right, cool. I like it. Okay, so um, I got for my fifth reason, I was going to throw that out there. Um, Just the moment that we are in with non-WWE wrestling in general, Hmm. I do not want to leave that out because it's so damn important. You know, I have been so far away from professional wrestling for 20 years, so when stuff gets to me... It means that it's getting outside the bubble. And so whether it was Lucha Underground, like, I can't count the people. When I wasn't even connected, I wasn't doing columns. I wasn't doing anything. And, like, you got to watch Lucha Underground. You got to watch Lucha Underground. And then New Japan Pro Wrestling kind of the march into the U.S. market. The accessibility of pro wrestling that goes along with it. New Japan and Ring of Honor selling out Madison Square Garden. All of these things. And being the elite and Cody are part of it. So I both give them credit for their work within it. But I also don't want to run away with AEW and act like 
they're doing it in a moment where nobody cares about pro wrestling or nobody cares about anything that's not WWE. The moment matters. And these guys helped make the moment, and they benefited from the moment. But with accessibility and good pro wrestling, we are in a moment for non-WWE wrestling. People are hungry. People want to see it. There's access to it. And this is a good time to try to raise your brand in pro wrestling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that, that's closely aligned with uh, one of mine as well, which I called uh, What the Boom Has Built. Um, mm. And it's, uh, yeah, absolutely, this independent wrestling boom for the past uh, four or five years. There's just more excitement about wrestling in general. You have guys who are turning down the WWE, trying to go other places, trying to expand out into different promotions uh there's not just one place to go anymore you know it might still be the biggest place but uh it's not your only option like it was for a long time um i think uh to some extent something like this was probably inevitable and uh what we're seeing is just kind of the right guys capitalizing it at the right time i hope um so yeah i strongly agree the wave has been building to this for a long time, and it's uh, just progressing organically out of everything that's come before it. And uh, it's not being forced. It's not unnatural. It's just it's coming in its own time. And uh, I think that really helps people recognize it as something uh, legitimate, something necessary, something that hopefully will be awesome. Yes. I think, too, with, with what you said, you are on the inevitability of it. Is my num not my now I'm looking my number four point maybe should be even at my number five point instead because I want to give credit to um the 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 character who also helped build this non WWE moment that we all have wanted so bad and that is WWE themselves because by God they have contributed to this <laughs> this is if you're a WWE fan again you know God bless you what a world you live in enjoy it enjoy it it's great do it do your thing but you know what. There is a reality that WWE has been not only, not just secretly, but openly many times just giving a gigantic fuck you to fans, their fans, I mean, not other people's fans, who want something other than what they are going to be given. Like, I can remember the Jerry Lawlers and the JBLs and so on who are sent out there to talk about why the guy who they're giving the ball to is the right guy and what an ugly human being you are if you have other opinions. You know, I've heard the fans, like the Daniel Bryan moment, you can't over, I'm not even, like I like Daniel Bryan, but I'm not a Daniel Bryan guy in that way, but my God, if I was, like what an ugly time when he got passed over. So time and time again, years ago, we're not wrestling, we're sports entertainment, was more just like a theory, like we're trying to, theoretically philosophically show you how our product is different and props to wwe we're now in a moment where the wrestling really take it or leave it like we got deals we're doing this over here we're doing this over here we got this much money invested and t- you know what we're doing in the ring that's and it's not of as much consequence and so yes there was bound to be something else that was going to crop up and grow out of that and you're seeing this reality, this is fact, so you know, get get mad if you want, but whatever, but you're finding out it's not just some of the fans that, you know, weren't happy with it. There are a lot of wrestlers who were not happy. So it turns out that some people do want creativity and they want agency and they want to try as who they are. And so props to WWE. 
for their part in helping to create this moment. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think um, there's there's definitely a portion of that. Um, and I'll add on to that. In a weird way, I think they spurred it on in another way. Um, back in, I don't know, 2013 or whatever, when they suddenly started signing up a lot of indie mm-hmm. guys that they had left on the table for, you know, a decade or more previously when they suddenly got interested. I think, and I didn't even think it would be this way at the time, but I, I was wrong. I was flat out wrong. It kind of spurred um, everyone to start kind of escalating. It's like, oh, wow, you know, either A, they're thinking, oh, wow, I can get to WWE now and, like, get more money. Or B, is like, oh, wow, there, there are spots opened up and I can, like, expand myself outside of WWE. And, you know, yeah. it's kind of breaking up the status quo. So it really, I think, um, escalated a lot of growth in that scene. And, uh, and it led to a lot of what we see today. So in a weird way, they kind of helped cause this um, in yet another way. So That's good analysis. And that's also beautiful because... Not even being an indie fan, really. I wasn't watching wrestling much at all when this started happening. And just the overreach and the obnoxious nature and the obvious that you don't want all these people or need all these people. But, you know, it's it's clear what you're doing. And you don't even have to be secret about it because it's your world and we all just live in it. (laughs) Sure. And they they revealed that all these people are out there, you know. The people who are watching NXT suddenly... You know, they've watched, uh, you know, 10-plus years of, you know, big meatheads who barely look trained <laughs> walking onto the screen just because they're six foot seven or something, you know, honestly. And I say that as someone who is even a fan of some of those meatheads. But still, when you see guys start showing up, and, oh, my God, they're amazing on day one. Like, WWE yeah. didn't have to do anything with them. They just came in, and they were great. It sort of opens you up. Even if you just watch WWE, you're like, wow. These great people are coming from somewhere. Now I'm curious about like other places. So um, it's a weird cascade effect that kind of goes out to everything. I think. Yeah, and it's amazing. Like with the, all that talent, is when I don't watch WWE, I think, oh my god, it's amazing. We're in this moment where people want to leave, and this thing's happening. When I watched one segment of Raw in the Royal Rumble, I thought, how the hell did this not happen five or ten years ago? <laughs> because. There's so many fucking people on these shows, and they got the same gimmicks they had when I tried to watch them four years ago and seven years ago. And they're like, there's all there's a whole mid card of like former world champions who you know kind of don't matter anymore, and like nobody's <laughs> getting cheered or booed in a lot of the matches. It's just kind of lukewarm. And I can see if you are a guy who wants to wants to you know get out there. Christian Cage was just talking about you know why he went to TNA and that some people have to do it, you know, and telling people like if you want to roll the dice on yourself. You know, it might be something you do. And there's always going to be some of those people that legit, like, we all need the money, and there's nothing wrong with that. But there are some people that also legit want to roll the dice and do the thing they love and create a legacy that was actually them doing a thing and see what they can accomplish. Absolutely. And that kind of leads into my actual number four point. Um, I think the mission statement of Mm. All Elite Wrestling is uh, giving them legitimacy and the fact that they're really actually living up to it. You know, they've talked a lot about how they want to stay connected to kind of their indie roots. We've seen that, them showing up at these small shows to, uh, you know, kind of make announcements and to align with people. Um, We've seen them uh, talk about fresh faces and actually deliver them, signing almost exclusively guys that you haven't really seen too many places before. Um, 
they, they talked about being inclusive. They've talked about uh, creativity and uh, having that kind of freedom. And I think they've really lived up to a lot of it so far. And, yeah, they're not very far into it yet, so who knows what will happen in the future. But, man, they're promising things, and they're making it look good, and uh, so far they're living up to it, and I think that matters a lot. That's a good one. I didn't go explicitly there, but that's, that's yes, absolutely. I'm getting, I think, some of the reaction to that, but that is the cause, the mission statement. And when I get to my first one, I think, you know, we never know where they're going to go. Who's going to really have the final say? So what's the company going to try? But there is, there's at least one reason why I think that this will be true and stay true. And I'll get to that. But just to say right now, yeah, again, that's also what I'm saying with non-WWE. You know, who was it? Kenny Omega. I like this. Kenny Omega says, I was actually tempted to go to WWE for the lack of creativity. He says, I've been, you know, I've been out there every night. Like, I can't sleep at night before some of these events because how do I do better than I did last time? How do I do different? And it's on me to do it. So there was a, it was actually a temptation. And I think this is a, a wonderful backhanded compliment, you know. There was, a, there was a temptation to go there where you have no agency and you have no freedom and you just get told what to do. And then, you know, but then flip that. And, man, I am former world champion for two weeks in 2011 WWE. And I've just been doing gimmicks that I don't care about probably for six weeks, six months, six years. And I'm watching these guys. And, again, legitimacy is not just a mission statement. These guys have lived it before there was an AEW. They are doing it. And being rewarded for it. And you're watching that and you're like, that's not how it's supposed to work. They're supposed to be scorned and never heard from again. Why else am I in this prison sentence if I can go out there, be free, and make money? Absolutely, yeah. Um, There's uh, just a lot to offer (laughs) from that perspective. I think there's a lot of demand for it. And um, it's, uh, it's paying off for them in a really good way. With my number three, I have all in and being the elite. So I think we can never forget about the role of the dice last year. We can never forget about the fact that they were putting themselves out there in a way that if they had failed. You talk about the lock WWE has on things, man. If they went out there and they put 3,000 people in those seats or the show was an abomination or the production just completely sucked, which all could have happened. Mm-hmm. Then you're looking at it and you're like, oh man, stay in your lane. There's a reason that Vince McMahon has been the blah, blah. Because, <laughs> you know, so on and so forth. You, you know the narratives that would come out of that. Mm-hmm. And this is built by this group that I kind of like them and I kind of don't like them. They remind me a lot of, of like Kevin Nash and Scott Hall and folks like that in that being the elite, they have, there's this gift that some people have to kind of look out there and see what people want, and maybe what some people are already doing, and then somehow become like the forerunners of it. And I don't know if that's being connected. Maybe it's just listening when no one else does. But they always seem connected. And whether they really were the forefront or whether they got in front of the line, they're always there, and people are legit connected to them. They know what people want. And so this combination of I'm not going to go to WWE. I'm the Young Bucks. I'm going to trust myself. I wouldn't trust myself if I if I had been born a Young Buck and wanted to be a professional wrestler. I would have signed a WWE contract. But no. Trusted themselves. Sold t-shirts. Made a name for themselves. 
Cody Rose, Kenny Omega, so on and so forth, put on a show, blow the doors off, get a little TV time with WGN, pay-per-view, and now here we are. So, like, this combination of, I, I feel like I'm connected with the fans, and I know what the business wants. I know what moment we're in, and I'm going to risk everything, including my name, to do it. Yeah, for sure. I, my number three was also uh, all in, specifically. Um, and not just the fact that they bet on themselves, they did, but uh, just the fact that it succeeded on such a level. I mean, uh, people in the comment section with whatever they're doing, they can say whatever they want, but the fact is they sold out uh, a 10,000-plus seat arena, and they did it, I won't say easily, but kind of easily, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, that just shows that there is a certain demand for this product um, that people doubted existed before it happened. You know, the, the whole impetus of this is uh, supposedly, and you know, who knows uh, if it was a work or not. It doesn't matter, you know, because everybody thought this way. Supposedly Dave Meltzer and Cody, like, made a bet, like, oh, can we sell this out? Um, you know, and Dave's like, I don't think that... Anybody can do it, and that's what everybody thought, and then they did it. Guess what? So they changed the narrative already. If they can do that once, they can do it again. So there's there's a certain amount of faith and legitimacy that goes along with the fact that you've already bet on yourself and you've succeeded at this level. Absolutely. Given that nobody knows what will happen tomorrow, if you only look at what we know, all in and double or nothing, do you not know that there were moments that where they are by themselves, whether it's Cody and Brandy, Cody and the Bucks, where they thought probably anything but what has happened might happen? Mm-hmm. You know, this is not a world where this was anything close to guaranteed. So they, they've exceeded what I'm sure they thought and what maybe some people thought was possible. Even like you, you get the worry in that they got ahead of the double or nothing. Like we scaled it for. 12,000 or 14, whatever they said. We scaled it for this. And then, uh, you know, oh, well, we feel bad calling it double or nothing because we're not doing 20,000. We're not doing that. And, oh, well, you know, we don't know, blah, blah. You know, they, they started kind of, you know, even publicly, you know, kind of like walking it back a little bit or like lowering expectations, which is smart and all, but it also demonstrates that we're out here trying to do this thing nobody's done. And, you know, the only way you can do it is to put yourself out there, but every time you put yourself out there, you're setting yourself up for failure. So I think there's something about the individual and the small group and the risk taker and actually accomplishing. Because part of that WWE machine narrative is, you know, be a part of the machine. Like you'll be on WrestleMania, like you'll walk the WrestleMania stage one day. You know, be, you know, surrender your name, surrender your gimmick, surrender your ideas. You'll walk the WrestleMania stage one day. It's all big machine. And these guys are doing it as individuals. Like kicking. Boots kicking at the the foundation of the Empire. And yet they're still doing it. And it's impressive. And it's it's not really what a lot of us are out there doing. I feel like there's a very we're we're in a very like fearful, anxiety driven moment for a lot of us. Like we don't know like jobs, economy, all that kind of stuff. We're all we're trying to a lot of us are leaning on businesses and business can't be leaned on anymore. We got changing economy, changing education, all of this. These guys are just out there fucking doing it, and and it's working right now. 
And there's something about that spirit that drives people. So, man, props to them. Yep, you've praised uh, people who actually do in the past, and uh, I think that's a great point. You know, they're they're out there, they're actually making it happen. Um, you know, they're not talking about it, they're doing it, and that's uh, that's very cool. Yeah. Number two is also a man who's out there doing it. That's Tony Khan and a potential big TV deal. So for me, it's more than just the fact that they got big money, but you, they absolutely had to get big money. You know, or it's not it's not going to be what people want it to be. Maybe it would have been nicer. Maybe it would have been cozier. But it wasn't going to be what people are trying to make it out to be. So they get – I like – I like I like a lot. And I may hate it one day because I don't know this man. And like – Another comment. We live in a weird world where the people who are the doers in pro wrestling are being called marks by the people who are the fans. <laughs> but every time this guy talks in the comment section, like, oh, he's a mark. You got a mark trying to be a part of the wrestling business. And, and, and you know what people are saying? I feel like when they call someone a mark, I'm embarrassed. By this man being so passionate about pro wrestling. Like, he loves pro wrestling. He's not talking about the business and the entertainment factor and you do this and this and this. He likes what he's doing. He likes wrestling. Oh, God. Horrible. Like, we're pro wrestling fans and we're disgusting and pro wrestling is disgusting. And this man likes us. He likes it. That's something wrong in that thinking. We should applaud the fact that he likes wrestling and to act like then the other fallacy that comes up is because if he puts his face on TV and talks in a way like he likes the product and he's a fan of WCW and he's a tape trader back in the day and he was online on AOL in the beginning trying to find wrestling fans, finding out that wrestling's a work on the internet like so many of my generation. If we find out all of that then well he obviously doesn't know what that doesn't know how to do business because he's not telling me everything he's gonna do about business. This is why we need AEW. Because we really have a large portion of, of, of fandom that thinks every time a wrestling company knows something, they should know it. Like, everything should be told to us on the internet. No surprises, no build. But this guy, his family, has a football team. I'm guessing they know a little bit about sports. I'm guessing they know a little bit about TV. I'm guessing they know a little bit about wheeling and dealing and putting butts in seats, all that stuff. I guess they know a little bit. Maybe, maybe, as much as you and me in the comment section, maybe. So, I like the fact that this is a wrestling fan. Because like Ted Turner, who I say all the time, like him or not like him, he doesn't get enough credit. Because Eric Bischoff says, you could not walk around the studios if you were part of the wrestling without dirty looks. Because they hated WCW and they didn't want it there. And the only thing that made him at least fake smile for a minute is the fact that WCW hit that record high. But they weren't going to touch it because Ted Turner. So do you think when the inevitable ups and downs come, that it's better that you have a guy who not only has money, but cares about wrestling and wants to have his name associated with it? I think that matters. Yeah. And then that comes with the potential TV deal. So all of that wrapped up together is the fact that this is legit because you got a guy who can put money in and who wants to put money in, and there's this rumor that he's also going to hook him up with a TV deal, and we're like one or two companies, one or two deals, one or two months away, but it's not true because they're not saying it right now. But yeah, it probably is true also, and there's legitimacy for that potential TV deal. Tony Khan, number two on my list. 
Very nice. And from that, I'm going to talk about my number two and my number one together because they're kind of connected. Number two is TV. And uh, I don't care what these cretins say, who the doubters, the whatever. They're going to be on TV. Yes. Like every reputable, uh, if you can even use that word, but every reputable source um, is very optimistic about them being on TV. And I don't see any reason to doubt it. Um, and that ties into my number one reason, which is, and you mentioned it already, money. If yeah. it were possible to reach this level just from having a great product, it would have happened already. There have been great wrestling products for the last 20 years outside of WWE, and nobody has reached this level, and that's because they didn't have the money. But guess what? They've got the money, and in a world where money makes everything go round, for better or worse... Yeah. You need that money, and they've got the damn money, and they've got it hand over fist right now, and um, and that's awesome, and I'm happy for them, and I wish it didn't take money to reach this level, but guess what it does? So if you want to talk about legitimacy, you want to talk about bottom line, they have the funding to make this work in any way they need to, and um, and yeah, that's, I think, what is going to make them the most legitimate at the end of the day, and it's not going to be the thing that I love the most, because I, I watch wrestling in tiny gymnasiums with like a hundred people in attendance and I love it. But you know what? A lot of people can't do that and I get it. So you have this big, well-funded promotion. It's going to look the way people think that big time wrestling should look. It's going to be able to sign the big time wrestlers that they want, that people expect to see. And that is what's going to make it the most legitimate in the eyes of the people. And I'm okay with that. I'm here for it. I'm, I'm ready to see what they can do. That's a damn good response. Like level-headed, I thought like that that also that my number two could have easily been my first on the list. Um, the only thing that I had to put because it, here's the shame in the world that we live in. All of us are guilty of it. It's information age and it moves quickly. Every good thing that happens is no longer something to be mindful of to reflect on because it's happened. Let's move on. But some stories are so good, they're so grand, they're so amazing, they're so awe-inspiring that you really could change your life on them, but you forget they ever happened because they happened yesterday. So part of this show is occasionally going back and reminding you the big fucking deals that we're already acting like are not a big deal because there's another big deal in front of it that they're not going to meet this time. But my number one reason, and I've got WWE.com pulled up right now, May 22nd. 2016, WWE has come to terms on the release of Cody Rhodes as of Sunday, May 22nd, 2016. WWE wishes Rhodes the best in all his future endeavors. Do you, though? WWE on May 22nd released a mid-carder. Released a guy who, while I've said it before, I I went to a show and had no desire to see Cody Rose, wasn't even on my mind, and yet he seemed like the guy most attached and attracted to the fans and connected. Still, though, a guy that, <clears throat> between his mustache and his face <laughs> paint, like, I don't know who he is, and, you know, I'm not I'm not, I'm not, not thinking about him. He's a mid-card guy, never been the world champion, just like his father. Imagine that, but I do know who his father is. His father's Dusty Rose, and I know that because I come from a world... Where Dusty Rose matters a whole lot. And so it's weird to me that Cody Rose left. I get the buzz even though I'm not watching wrestling. So I peek, peek around that corner and I find 
Cody Rhodes has released a one-time statement about why he left WWE. And funny thing is, I read this statement every few months, and it sounds even different and better and sharper and more prophetic and more more filled with conviction and more unbelievably fictional that it actually panned out with every accomplishment that we see. Cody Rose says in the beginning of that, setting foot in the dingy old Greensboro Coliseum this past Monday can only be um, regarded as a whimsical moment of clarity. Oh, man, the fact that the very foundation of the first paragraph of everything that's happened with Cody Rhodes begins with an NWA reference, a Dusty Rhodes reference, a Ric Flair reference, is good news for the WCW fan who is here, and let's admit it, in large part for what AEW might bring that reminds me of tradition. <laughs> and then he, he focuses on a word, this mid-carter who has accomplished nothing outside WWE and failed to accomplish what he wanted to accomplish in WWE, says the word Fearlessness. He says it's a trait in his mentor and father that he wishes had been passed down more to him because he's not fearless. He says that in the locker room where Ric Flair dressed to become the heavyweight champion in 1983, he found himself putting on an outfit that had long outgrown itself. He talks about the opportunities that Vince McMahon and Triple H gave him. He seems legitimately grateful, but at the same time, there's kind of stinging um, lack in also what they gave him. He mentions that he did get to train with two brilliant, two of the most brilliant minds in the world, and he calls them Arn Anderson and Fit Finley. Mm. If you want to know where he lives, I like that a lot. And then he says his goal was to always win the WWE title because it's something his father Never got to do. Mm. No small statement there. And then, okay, I just want you to listen to this because this is a man that you can say whatever you want about AEW's legitimacy. It is giving WWE at least minor headaches right now. They don't want all this shit happening, but it's happening. And you know how easily it possibly may not have happened? For six months, he said he pleaded with WWE and the writing staff. He said he went door to door like a, a salesman to every writer. And what did he want? Ten world titles to be John Cena? Well, of course they said no. You can't just go door to door and ask to be John. Oh, no. Sorry. Excuse me. Notes. Handwriting. He actually went door to door for six months begging them to, quote, let me be Cody Rhodes. That's what he was asking. And that was too much to ask. And then we got the infamous story where he talks to the writer who is on a powered off laptop and ignores him because he's too busy working on that laptop. And then he says, I realized that blood is thicker than face paint, that I know who I am and what I am capable of. Cody Rhodes then ends final paragraph. Again, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Almost one year ago, the biggest light in my sky was ripped away from me when I lost my father. It's time for me to try and seek that illumination, that glow that's still out there. This is not goodbye. There's a whole world of film and television in this stage that I might find I have a knack for. Maybe I even already have an offer. As far as the future is concerned, though, 
I'm a wrestler. So that's what I'll do. Wrestle. My number one reason is that Cody Rose, the mid-carder, took a chance that in no reality that is anything close to nonfiction should have paid off. And he put himself on the record the day after he left with nothing proven so far. And any fan and any pro wrestler has access to this entire journey. And they know what he went through in WWE. They know what his ceiling was. And they know everything he's done since then. Leading to a seven-figure contract. And what else? A seven-figure offer from WWE. You know, the assholes who wouldn't let him be Cody Rhodes. Those guys? Seven-figure deal. What happened? Couldn't be a world champion. Couldn't even be who he wanted to be, but you won't. But he's worth that. This man went out there and did something that never, ever, ever should have happened. And yet maybe always could have happened. And it's mind-blowing stuff. And it's inspiring stuff. And you cannot help but sit up and pay attention to it. And so, ladies and gentlemen, I am putting it my number one. The man who got his whole thing kicked off with a ridiculous vision, the son of Dusty Rhodes, the buffet, t- the, the space at the buffet that brings in the tradition, with the, ladies and gentlemen, Cody Rhodes. Yeah, yeah, I, that that's great. I love it. Um, I, uh, I love what Cody has done. I love uh, how he's been a driving force behind this. I don't know what this would look like, Without Cody, I think uh, it would still be happening in some way, but I don't think I would be nearly uh, as excited and invested in it. Um, I've always been a fan of Cody, and I think uh, he's hitting his peak in a lot of ways right now. And I'm not talking about in wrestling. I'm talking yeah. about who he is and what he means to the wrestling business and what he could mean to the wrestling business. Does he make it more legit? I don't know. Maybe. I love the idea that he could. Um but he definitely has my uh, attention and my excitement. And, uh, you know, we were voting for a president of uh, non WWE <laughs> wrestling. You know, he'd have my vote too. So I love it. I'm all about it. I think for me, the legitimacy, like, I don't know how much of this would or would not be happening because I don't know how much these guys influenced each other and pushed each other. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much of the buzz came from some of them or all of them together. And also, I think there's 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 not nothing to the fact Tony Khan is a big time WCW fan and fan of old school wrestling. Mm-hmm. And to me, like for me, would I be watching anything that's being produced by the Bucks and Kenny Omega? Probably not, because it's not a knock on them, but it's not the world that I know. Cody Rhodes is the one that brings the tradition in the WCW and the and that part. And I think that attracts Tony Khan, too. So I, I, I think there's a lot going on there. But it's also just the fact, you know, if John Cena does this, you know, we, we've seen it before, Hulk Hogan. But, you know, you, you're a mid-carder who not only – they're not you're not fighting over whether you can be world champion. You're fighting over whether you can use your name. And they're like, you know, walk. Just walk, Cody. Walk. And he's out there doing what he's doing. And I, it's also the vision. He has a, he has a deep vision to be the producer and to be the guy 
with the vision, and I don't think that can be overlooked as well. I think that's a hell of a vision. I think that he he tries to play it down because who in the world he wants to be an individual, and that's his damn right. But in his own personal heart of hearts, I do believe like that Dusty Rose connection, Dusty passing, and trying to do something like. Once in a while, it rears its ugly head with him, with his admission that he wants to cut off heads and avenge his father. And then most of the other time he plays it cool. But I think there's something something deep-seated there, and I like that that's deep-seated. Very nice. Very nice. Okay, so the only little preachy thing left that I have to say about this whole segment is this. To the critic, to the negative person, please don't think that you are a bold voice. Please don't think that you are taking chances. Because in the world that we live in, whether it be societal or whether it be human nature, here's the fun thing. If you're the critic and you're negative, you are always right. And if you're supportive and you're a fan and you're positive, you're always wrong. So who's the risk taker there? If I support AEW and they sell out all in... You say, well, they won't sell out double or nothing. And if they sell out double or nothing, you say, well, they won't get a TV deal or it'll be disappointing. And if they get a, a T, if they get a deal on Axis, it's like, this is like anything else. It's negative. If they get a TV deal on TNT, you're like, well, they're not going to get the ratings WWE gets. And then if they get ratings, well, they're not going to do it for 10 years. So eventually something bad is probably going to happen as it does in life. And 30 years in, by God, you write that column that you were right all along. You said it at all in, and now 30 years later, the company has gone down. Turns out you were right, and I've been wrong the whole time. There's a safety net in that. But it's not living. It's not doing. It's not being a fan. And I would rather have a moment where I can take on all the shame of being the horrible wrestling fan and Mark but actually enjoy what I'm watching so you know what as long as I can as long as I believe as long as they're keeping the word as long as I'm connected I'm going to try to be that fan I'm going to try to be positive if ever it doesn't work for me you're not going to hear me weekly coming in and bashing the company I'm just going to go on and go about my business and try to find something that I like but it's easy to be negative. And even though you're eventually going to be right 30 years from now, 10 years from now, 30 minutes from now, whatever, you were wrong 6,000 times before that, and you didn't let yourself enjoy anything. So kudos on that journey. I'm such an asshole. Okay. <laughs> no, I okay. mean, uh, <laughs> um, it's definitely a world where uh, – we're going online and uh, firing off a, a snarky zinger is valued more than um, being a genuine fan of something. And, you know, that's that's kind of ugly. That's pretty toxic, honestly. So, uh, yeah, believe in something. That's all I'll say to that. Just uh, I don't even care. Like, 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 like the man was saying earlier, if you're a WWE fan, sweet, awesome, own yeah. it, love WWE. Doesn't mean you have to hate anything else that is out there. Um, and, you know, I... My, myself and uh, a lot of people I'm with, we, we don't always love WWE, but guess what? We don't spend a lot of time talking about it. You know, yeah. it comes up now and then. We give our opinions, but I am not out 
to go out and trash somebody who is loving WWE. So, my God, don't just let people like what they like. Don't feel like you have to try to be the smartest, funniest person in the room by tearing down something else that other people are enjoying. Let people enjoy what they're enjoying if they're not hurting anything. Just just calm down. Just be a decent person. Come on. It's it's all good. It's, it's wrestling. Yeah. We're here to have fun. You talk about things in context. Right? When WWE comes up on the show, it's because there's a legitimate context. Sure. And still, I hope that they do. I hope they do well for as long as they can do well. You know? Yeah. They have no ill will towards it. I just don't want to watch it. And then we need some kind of rituals in our society where we celebrate good things longer than the second that they are happening. Because this whole, this whole rant came from the fact that I can like. I wake up in the morning and I see AEW, whether you like them or not, doing things that I think, my God, they did it again. This makes no damn sense. What a moment they're about to have. And I know in my heart it's not going to last more than a day because of what how society is, but it doesn't even last a day. Like I sign on and everyone that hates it is, is like acting like it's not legitimate. And a lot of us that love it are so anxious that it might not last that we're on to the next fear. We need some kind of ritual that, that that celebrates and sits in a good moment because I think as human beings, we definitely want to look at an evolutionary uh, way of seeing things. Why would you not concentrate on the thing that might kill you? So like the fear and the negativity, like I, I get why you got to kind of give your attention to that because it's a threat to you. But, but we need rituals and ways to celebrate the things we enjoy because – you know what? You you just might get more of them, and that might not be a bad thing. You might actually enjoy life. And these are radical ideas. I get it, but man, we need it. And that's part of the reason we do this show. That's why I'm I'm, I'm quoting Cody Rhodes from years ago because I don't want us to forget what this is built on. Because it's it's gone so fast. So yeah, just just find ways to enjoy it. The WWE they have it. That's and props to them. They have it built into the system. Like no matter what you think of their year. Every first four months is WrestleMania season, so it's time it's time to sit down and reflect on all the Hall of Famers, reflect on all the events that have gone by, and then look at the show, the biggest show of the year. So they have their rituals built into their system, and but we got to have ways, we got to have rituals that let us reflect and remember, and not just move from the next thing to the next thing to the next thing, and not appreciate what we have while we have it. Okay, okay. Speaking of people who had something and lost it, the next segment is from NWA, 10 Pounds of Gold, from a Ring of Honor show, no less, where Caprice is going to call out the great world champion of the NWA, Nick Aldis, because whether you know it or not, ladies and gentlemen, there's a thing called the Crockett Cup goes back to the 80s, and it's coming up in April. April 27th, NWA is doing the Crockett Cup again. We're being sold on it. It's April 27th. It's Concord, North Carolina. Crockett Cup Tag Team Tournament. And it's going to be the biggest one ever, quote, because NWA will be there. Ring of Honor will be in there. CMLL will be there. New Japan Pro Wrestling will be there. But... There's a weird thing because there's a name not on the list. And old Caprice, he's, he's wondering about it. What will the world champion be doing? 
Will Nick Aldis be in the Crockett Cup? So he brings out the heavyweight champion, Nick Aldis. Nick Aldis, what do I say about this man? He is like the man who is married to you and raises your children all while realizing that the love of your life is somehow either gone or passed away. And you can never love him. (laughs) But you know what? He will raise your children, and he's a respectable man. And, you know, you you do respect him. You're like, by God, this man helps out. And if it wasn't for this man, that would be an empty space. It wouldn't be anyone to hold that belt in the corner. And I, I, I am trying to say this as fair as I can say it because it's actually not a knock on Nick because, God, I don't think the NWA would be doing what it's doing without someone to consistently hold up the belt. But I do wonder what it feels like when you're kind of like the baby face in a way because you're, you, you, you're trying to bring back the brand, bring back tradition, hold the belt. And yet anyone, anyone that they bring out is always more popular than you. And it's got to be rough. And I, I'm watching from my couch. have my laptop hooked up to my TV. And Nick is pausing. He's saying good things about tradition and NWA and then pausing so, for the chair, and then they respectfully give it. But I said to myself, I think my volume might be off because I hear the fans, but you, you know it's not picking up really. You can't really hear them. And then he calls out a man who he said, we've been best friends since we were teenagers, broke into the business together, and I want him to be my partner. And it's Marty's girl. And guess what? The volume's working now. I can hear the fans. And that's so sad, but it's so true. Nick Aldis is raising your kids, and you want to love him. That's the hardest part. You go to bed every night. You pray to God. You don't say it out loud. Maybe you say it out loud because Nick, he doesn't take anything personally. You're like, maybe you hold hands and pray together. God, help me to love this man. He's very consistent. He shows up. He's he, he's the champion. But you don't love him. You like him. You like that he's there. You don't love him. And now he's calling out someone else from an outside. Here comes the plumber. Bummer. Oh, I could love that plumber. <laughs> I could love him. <laughs> Anyway, so Nick calls out uh, Nick calls out Marty's girl and asks him to be his partner. He's like, everything you've said, we broke into the business together. First of all, he says, now you know we're not friends because, as I've said, all my friends are dead, which is the new Marty's girl thing, T-shirt and everything. All his friends are dead because they forsook him. They abandoned him. And Nick Aldis, if he was the man you loved instead of the man raising your kids, he would have just took the microphone and said, I'm not surprised by that because I killed one of them. <laughs> but he's Nick Aldis, and he doesn't think of things like that. He just kind of grimaces that the man he just built up as his lifelong friend not only says he's not friends, but he does it to sell another company and another whole thing going on. So he admits that he asked him for a ride 15 years ago. They became friends. He's very dependable. He trusts him, and that's why he wants to stand in the ring with him. Wants to stand in the ring with Nick Aldis as his opponent for the heavyweight championship at Crockett Cup. He says that his friendship should not be a penalty and that 15 years ago I asked you for a favor and tonight I'm asking you for a favor again. It's Nick Aldis, Marty Scurll, the villain. It's the heavyweight championship NWA fight 
at the Crockett Cup. What do you think, Miz fan? What do you think? I think um, I think uh, you were very fair to Nick Aldis uh, just now in your analysis. Um, <clears throat> and I also think, uh, you know, it's not maybe enough to be a, a, a hat rack of a champion mm-hmm. where all you're doing is holding up the belt in the corner. Um, I feel like they can do better. I'll just say that up front. Um, that said... I think they're doing about as well as they can. You know, this was a good segment. It built up a match that uh, that, that could drum up some interest um, because people, yeah, they're interested in Marty Skrull. They're interested in the NWA Championship. I don't know if they're interested in Nick Aldis, but uh, I don't think they'll avoid the match just for that. Um, but, yeah, very interesting. I think that, um, yeah, as you said, Marty kind of uh, poo-poos on his idea that they're friends. <laughs> And that uh, he prompts an, uh, an elite chant just just right there in the middle of Ring of yeah. Honor. So I don't know if that just speaks to uh, what a force all elite wrestling is right now. Um, I don't know if it speaks to how Ring of Honor feels about all this. I don't know. But uh, it's interesting. It was an interesting segment. It was well produced. The 10 pounds of gold video. Um, uh, it's it's one of the best things the NWA title has going for it right now, I think. And uh and yeah, I don't know. I I just think they can do better than Nick Aldis as champion. There there's a wealth of talent out there and I don't think they're doing themselves favors um by sticking with this guy. And that's just he's just not a selling point for me. I, I can't imagine myself seeking out a Nick Aldis match. I, I watched the Cody match and I'm glad I did. It was very good. But he was the least part of it, I think, <laughs> and he's usually the least part of uh, of these NWA segments to me. Yeah, I wrote down hat rack of a champion. <laughs> That's a good line. Um, yeah, when he walked out with Jeff Jarrett all in, I was like, boom, there is your legacy. There's the line you're going in. And I don't mean that as a compliment. No, you mean uh, WWE Hall of Famer and Raw roster member Jeff Jarrett? <laughs> yeah, and... and uh, <laughs> Singer at the Royal Rumble with a stupid, uh, stupid segment that we got to watch for five minutes before we start the Royal Rumble. But again, that's why I don't watch most of the time. And if you like Jeff Jarrett singing segments, I am not judging you. Go enjoy. Sure, sure. Yeah, I'm glad he's singing there, not somewhere else. So, <laughs> you know, but Nick, 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 all it's like, okay, I think partly why he's almost maybe. He's a very shrewd man. He, he, he's got to have like some kind of factual, literal mind because he does not have an emotional presence. And so I think he, he has manipulated his way into being their champion. So, oh, you're all about tradition. You're all about history. You're all about long title reigns. Well, I'm the only person that's going to stay in your company for a long time. <laughs> and you want history and legacy, right? Well, yeah, well, sure. well, well, you know, I'm the man who won't go away. <laughs> Give me the belt. <laughs> And the only thing I think that he does well is that if you go like if you got a twenty year plan as it's been rumored, you know some of those years are not gonna go well. So put the belt on someone who's dependable and who probably won't take much personally. And so I give him that. And I'm also looking forward to the videos that hopefully will come with these guys kind of, you know, more documentary style talking about the match. I think it'll be interesting. I am still interested because you have a you have a guy you that we know He's going to AEW. Let's not do this Kenny Omega thing again. He will eventually be in AEW. Yeah. Maybe you don't think he will. Who knows? 
whatever. But you have a guy connected to all, um, being the elite. And we all know the Nick Aldis Cody Rhodes rivalry. So, will we get NWA? Will that title see some time? Like, will, will, will Nick ever be on one of their shows? Well, you know, it's a weird thing going on. And like, again, we'll see what happens, but 74,000 views. Uh, I think I, only, I looked at the history of the videos, and there's only, I think, six that maybe have more views than the than the oldest uh, villain, and it's only they're been out all, four days. Yeah, they're probably all Cody ones. <laughs> they're, yeah, mostly Cody. I think there's a... One is a weird Jim Cornette talks about the legacy of the NWA is one of them, I think. Um, and then he swears um, and rants. That's yeah. Gimmick, so. but, but that still has very few out of them, so hey. it's getting some eyes on it and good sure. for them. And we'll see what happens. It's one month, I think, before Double or Nothing. It is very, very late in April towards the end where uh, Marty will have to make a decision contractually, I think. Mm-hmm. So a lot going on, and we'll see where it goes. But I definitely wanted to drop in there because – yeah. Uh, he is the, the leftover of the elite. He's the forgotten about. He's got that chip forever on his shoulder. And I'm hoping, please, God, don't let him respond well to this. If they all make up in the ring, let it be insincere and then let him take that cane and put it on somebody's head or in their eyeball. That umbrella, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, couple things. One, what if. You mentioned Jim Cornette, and he does appear at the start of this video, and he's hyping up uh, the Midnight Express, making some appearance. Yeah. And I just want to shout out him, which I love the Midnight Express. My man Bobby Eaton, super cool. Yes. Back on topic, um, I think another thing that's sort of putting me down on this a little bit is Skrull's not going to win, you know. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't think anyone even thinks that for a second, so it's weird to get a point where like you said, the far less popular guy in Nick Aldis is definitely going to pick up a victory over a pretty hot guy yeah. just because, as you say, the NWA, it seems all they really want is a guy who's dependable, who will let them follow him around with their videos and, yeah. you know, who's not going to probably jump away and be signed by anybody, even in an era where everybody's getting signed. So, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a downer. That's what I was about to say. Yeah, you really brought that. You, you turned the camera angle, and I saw something even uglier and sadder for the the man who raises the children. The um, hat rack of a champion is that it's also probably trying to bank on someone that in a world like you said where everybody's being signed, they just might not get signed. Yeah. yeah. That's a oh god, what a narrative. <laughs> You're raising the children, but they're not gonna love you. That hurts. Yeah, you know, like okay, so they'll move out before you would. You know. <laughs> You get it, you get it. Nick Aldis is not popular, is what we're trying to try to say here. Um, I agree. I am blessed to have not thought that far. Like I know Nick, that Marty's not going to win. I am hoping, like I said, they all get maybe two, three, four. This is February, March, April, two months plus days. I'll get two, three, four really good videos because, yeah. you know. I like I'd like to learn more about Marty, and it partly will be an, Marty in an NWA story. But I think too, with Marty still playing, the all my friends are dead. Wherever he's going and whatever, this is a really awesome thing. I don't know. Have we ever had a time where you could be a Ring of Honor guy, telling an AEW story in an NWA feud? 
and you're not like there's, there's they're telling a really good NWA feud. I like the story they told about 15 years ago and all of that. Yeah, but he's also telling his AEW story. So I'm hoping we get part of Marty of who he will be, even exceeding NWA and NWA in that video. So you can at least pull some narrative hints to where this man's mind may be, meaning where what he might do in the future. So give me some compelling videos, and I'll be happy. I'm I'm okay with that. Um... And who knows, this, things may not go as we expect, so uh, yeah. we'll, we'll wait and see what happens. And all this is not one to depart from the belt, though. Let's always remember that. <laughs> <laughs> he has found himself a companion in this. Oh, Nick Aldis, we'll talk more about you in the future, bud. Good good looking out. Go wrestle um, Storm again. It'll be a good match. Um, who the heck was that lady? Who was with Aldis? Do you know? I don't know. She's been with him in several segments, and I, I you know, okay, here it is. You're curious. I'm curious. Did I go do the research? Did I type a sentence into Google to find out? No. No, sure didn't. Me neither. <laughs> God, one day, Nick, they're going to type. I wonder how many times he's Googled. He should, like, his gimmick should be, like, the least Googled man. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, God. Yeah, I don't know. But she's with him. And, right. uh, I think she's in some of the sit-down videos recently. Fair enough. Okay, so moving on. We are entering a segment that you all know well. It's the Convince Me segment. Who we got this week? This week we have uh, the best friends, Chuck Taylor, a.k.a. Chucky T, and uh, Trent, a.k.a. Beretta, the two halves of his uh, previous name, used, I have no idea why, intermittently, uh, some sort of copyright thing, I'm sure. But, um, yeah, we have uh, one promo and two matches. The matches, I thought, were pretty good. Uh, they're not the best matches I have seen of them, but uh, they were the best matches I could find for free. So I think they give some idea of the quality of the team. Uh, I'll say up front, I am a big fan of this team, particularly Chuck Taylor, who I watched uh, for many years in different independent promotions in Chikara and PWG, um, here and there and everywhere. And uh, what works for me about these guys is that they are weird and awkward uh, in a way that I find relatable and entertaining. And uh, I think they are very lovable underdog types in so far as you look at them and you watch them over a period of time. And on some on paper level, you're like, these guys, you know, they don't have the right look. They, they're not strong enough. They don't like high fly enough. Like, I, I don't think that they should be succeeding in wrestling. And yet to me at least, they have a certain charisma in their personality and the way they wrestle that it is really hard for me not to root for these guys, not to find them uh, compelling, not to find them um, to be guys that I say, like, I, I want you to succeed on your own weird terms, and you may be awkward, and you may never fit into the square peg, and I actually love you for that reason. Um, so that's my little speech on the best friends. Uh before we dive into it, so uh, I'll let you lead because you're the one seeing a lot of this for the first time. What uh, what are we looking at here? Yeah, so I think I got a lot of layers here because not only have I never seen these guys wrestle, I didn't at first don't know who was who, and I've not seen a lot of their opponents. So I'm getting just a bunch of guys out of context wrestling a match that, and I don't know them. So sure. you know, I have a lot of pickup to do, but it, I want to see if I have learned or not by okay. asking you a question. So your favorite one out of the two mm -hmm. is not the poor man's Johnny Mundo. It is AJ Styles' face on Bradshaw's body. 
<laughs> yes, I believe you've identified them correctly. <laughs> okay, so Chuck, Chucky T will be the one who is often clean shaven. Is that correct? Yeah, I, I believe I believe you have yeah looked at them right because uh, okay. Chuck Taylor's got the the weirder face and Mundo's got or uh, Trent has got the longer hair. Okay, yeah. So okay, so I, I get where you are now, and then Davy. The first match I watched was Davey and um, Archer. Yep. Okay, so... Killer Elite Squad. couple matches from both from New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, both within the last six months as well, so you get a recent look. Yeah, I saw it. I like that. That does are so recent. Um, this is going in with a big question mark for me, because I both had a lot of moments where they, they did certain moves that I really liked, that caught my attention. I was like, okay, you can do a thing and you can do it well. And then I would have long periods where I would kind of kind of blank out and forget I'm supposed to be covering the match. <laughs> and so the big question for me becomes, did I blank out because they're just not compelling enough to me to really get behind them or because I don't know anything about them and they're not connected to any story and I'm just watching matches? I don't fully know the answer to that. Um, so, um, okay, the first match up. Davey flexed in the match, and his face looked like the British Bulldog for the first time in my entire life, so I was happy about that. <laughs> uh, I'll say this. Um, I haven't actually watched Davey Boy Smith Jr. in uh, a few years, and I'll say I feel like he's gotten a lot better Good. than uh, he used to be because there was a time where people were kind of hyping him, and I'd watch him. I didn't really see anything, but now, yeah, I don't know. Now he's actually looking uh, looking quite good to me, so, so props to him for uh, coming along nicely. I think my problem with Davey, it might be my problem with these guys until I get to know them or just my problem, but definitely Davey and Ted DiBiase Jr., if that's his name, whatever. Um, sure. They're so plain to me. Like, I, they just don't pop. Yeah. So even as I'm starting to like uh, the Hart Foundation in MLW, the only one that so far I haven't really gotten behind is Davey. Like, I haven't – like, I need something to latch on to, and I just don't know what that thing is, you know? So, like, Teddy Hart is just like a fucking – like uh, we like I, I wouldn't I wouldn't leave my wallet. <laughs> like I think he's a mad manipulator. Like I listened to a I listened to a shoot where apparently he got out of jail and now he's on the straight and narrow and he's just like I work with these guys. I put on vinyl siding with guys like this and um you gotta watch them. Like one time, yeah, you gotta watch them. You gotta watch them. So like I don't even like him, but man, he gets my attention. He's a shady son of a bitch. And then, you know, Brian Pillman Jr., you want to like him, and maybe he doesn't have the this, this skill set in yet, but he's got a fucking mullet, you know? That, that counts for something. He walks around the earth with a mullet. Sure. And then Davey. Davey with the, with the plain face. Davey with the smile. Davey with the something. So, yeah, a lot of that. A lot of Davies in this match for me, you know, and I, I need them to break out of their Daviness. So, beard, beard guy. I actually enjoy, I think, some, uh, the guy with the beard. We'll call him Trent Beretta. Okay. They enjoy some of his moves more. I, if you're going for awkwardness stuff, that's what is attracting you to it. I could definitely see Chucky being the, your guy because yeah. he just—I don't know what—I don't know what to make of him. He's—he is an interesting, interesting young man. So, yeah, yeah. I, I think um, time and context definitely helps with the best friends. It's hard with, uh, as you say, these sort of matches randomly out in the cold. And um, as I said, not even I think the ideal matches that kind of would have captured. Everything I like about them, um, 
but I don't want to make excuses either. I mean, you'll either like them or you won't as you yeah. watch them some more. So that's uh, it's it's a it's a fair thing. I think it takes a little time to get them and to decide if you like them or not. I think I preferred the second match to the first one. Okay, cool. I was I I enjoyed uh, I'm gonna call him Zack Saber Jr. Yep. I enjoyed like he 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 reminded me of Bob Backlund meets 2018 indie wrestling. Yes, that's a that's a good shout. Uh, he made me happy when he was going to do an STF, so he never stood up fully. Like, he was hunched back because he was not going to do anything standing up. You know, he was pre- you know, praying on the guy about to drop and do an STF, so he never never raises himself up. Like, there's a lot of little things. And see, that's the thing, though. Like, I don't know if I like him. I don't know if I want to watch him. But he, I left with him saying, okay, this dude's doing some things on purpose there. It's just, just getting my attention. So, big shout out to him. His, um partner uh his partner uh Taichi. okay this guy so why is it two people a man in this match and then a man on mlw both stripped their pants off and did a super kick they did the exact same thing <laughs> i have no explanation for that um if it popped the crowd i guess there's your answer but yeah, yeah. I, I don't know why <laughs> it's just amazing that they, they both waited mid-match and had the same exact move to follow <laughs> well, I think that might be more about the um, ubiquitous nature of super kicks yeah, in modern sure. wrestling than anything else. Because you, yes. you probably bet a super kick will come after anything. You'll <laughs> be right about half the time. <laughs> you live in a wild world. That's the one thing I'm learning. It's like I don't know how we ever did shows together. This is props to you because you, you came far. You came from a faraway land to like do the shows that we've done. And so I, I deeply oh, appreciate that. I love traveling these lands. It's all good. I love, <laughs> love the new ones, the old ones. I just love wrestling, my friend. You know that. It's amazing. And I'll, I'll go ahead and ask this. This was a Shane Strickland question, but I can ask it now. Right. Like, the double the double stomp is done a lot by a lot of these guys. And it is. Is it just an independent thing, you think, like the of like the double stomp? Or is it that we we all, all we do is drop kicks and kicks anyway, so the, the, the double stomp is just a natural extension? <laughs> just doing it in another direction, yeah. Um, I, I have no idea, but they, they are very common also for whatever reason. Um I don't know. Better that than a diving headbutt, I guess. So yeah, any, at least, at least any, you're hitting any, with any. the right end of your body. <laughs> this one also started with chain wrestling, which made this old man happy. Oh, I was for like, sure. Ah, I know what they're doing for a minute. <laughs> you know, nice. Uh, Saber um, was on my top five guys for AEW to sign to get away from uh, New Japan. Not that he's not doing very well there, but yeah, uh, I'm really a big fan of him, like I talked about. He's a very no-wasted-motion guy. He's a very, like you said, he's smart. He yeah. knows what he's doing. He's always moving on to the next thing. And um, I'm, I'm glad he stood out to here. I thought he might. Oh, man, he's got a dude's head wrapped, like, in a head scissors, legs around the head, and, like, the guy's body is bowed up, and he just takes his elbow and puts it in the center of his back and lowers him back down. Yes, so good. It's like, so good. you are doing everything you're doing on purpose, and I thank you, sir. There were a lot. I can't read my hand right. There were there were several spots that I really liked, but I'm just I can't. They're not coming out of my. <laughs> they do they do a lot of good stuff in sequence, and they, you know, they come in when they need to. Like they were, both matches with a lot of one guy being kind of in the ring, and then the other guy, you know, getting the tag. Um, I think they won both of their matches, if I remember right. They did. They did. So, I currently here's where I currently have them, until they prove otherwise, and their promo. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is where we're going to I think their promo lowered their lowered their ranking. Ah, that's too bad. That's all right. We'll, we'll get to it. Okay. But like right now, to me, they're like a lower card, mid card. Like if you want to elevate a team, 
to the tag title division, put them in a storyline feud with this group, and then let them go over. <laughs> you know, I was thinking there's nothing wrong with the American males. Like, whoever thought they were bad, right? Oof, ouch. Okay, now now it's getting a little <laughs> too personal. Now now we're in a bad place. With I couldn't remember if you liked the American males or not. <laughs> Did you like the that's theme the, song? That's the Buff Bagwell, Scotty Riggs theme, right? Yeah, I, I'm not gonna like any Buff Bagwell team except the team he had with Scorpio. So let's let's just not even. Okay, so uh, no Bagwell, please, ever on this program. <laughs> Here's how I'll say it then: where I would start them in an era of WCW Monday Night Show, they'd be wrestling a sat a match on Saturday night. Hey, I love Saturday night. I got no I got no beef with that. Um, the thing I like best that you said is put them in a storyline feud, and I think the more you do that, the more you will get out of them. Um, because, yeah, just based on what they can do physically, they, you know, they're not going to be the best team out there just purely on what they can do physically. But uh, I think there is something about them that will get them over if you put them in a context where they can show their personalities. And maybe I'm wrong because, like you said, you didn't like the promo. But, again, context is important, I think. So uh, we'll see if that changes as time goes on. I think that they have a big shot that could be immediately be, like, a big portion of AEW is going to be what I am calling the Joey Ryan um, ba- basket. So, you know, they're building this, you know, and this is going to be an interesting thing to see, though, because on this whole inclusivity thing, is it all going to be like storylines where someone's like, oh, no, I don't like you because of this? Or is it also going to be storylines where they just kind of exceed or fail in like, you know, so like best friends is gonna be like, oh, well, you guys are weird. Why are you behaving like this? Or are they just gonna be in, you know, I don't know. Are they always comedy? Like, there's a lot of things I don't know about these guys. But I think that if I were them, I guess what I'm trying to say, if I were them, I would have signed with AEW because I see a big space for where they can really um, shine and probably make decent money too. So yeah, I think um, I think there's a number of places they can go because they definitely can be goofy. They're known for that a little bit, but I think they can also be um, very uh, authentic and straightforward um, in their own way. So I think there's space in both areas for them. And, uh, yeah, just because AEW looks like it will make a lot of space in both areas, um, yeah, it's it's a smart place for them to go. Yeah. They also didn't look like the people I watched Russell in the promos that threw me off. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, who? who is who? You both have facial hair. God damn it. <laughs> I was doing so well. <laughs> Uh, so tell me what that. you liked about the promo. Tell me, or just them, like beyond what I watched. Like, is there an example of a story? Like, what kind of storylines? Do you remember a storyline they've been in that you like? Sure, yeah. Uh, Chuck Taylor in particular is the guy I'm, that I like the most, like I said. But uh, in PWG, is my favorite story that they've been in. Um, it was he and Trent against uh, two guys that you like. It was Saber and Skrull. Okay. Um, and uh, they they've teamed up on many occasions, and they they're they're quite good together, of course. Um, Basically, the storyline was Saber and Skrull, big stars, booked in Japan, booked all over the world, like just just big time guys. And here they are, you know, they've just got to wrestle Chuck and Trent. And it's like, you know, whatever, like we don't care about these guys. But Chuck and Trent um, are uh, are beloved in uh, in Reseda, in the PWG audience, because, you know, they've been there. They've done the work for like all these years, Chuck Taylor especially, for like 10 plus years has done the work there. He's got all the fans there. So you've got Saber and Skrull who don't want to take these guys seriously. They want to just put them down. They want to grind their faces in the mat. They just want to make an example out of them. And yet there's this incredible crowd energy 
behind uh, Chuck and um, Trent, and it, it spurs them on to kind of exceed, you know, where sometimes they're just goofy, sometimes they're just like, you know, uh, you know, they are kind of who who you kind of saw that they were in their promo, and they uh, they push beyond that, and I don't know, they just put up some incredible matches um, between the the four of them, and uh, a lot of that is on Saber and Skrull being really good, but I think uh, you couldn't have done um, matches on this level without having guys that the fans could relate to so strongly, that identified with so strongly, and um, almost like a miracle story if the when these guys uh, are able to overcome these big huge stars, which on paper they don't have any right to be beating, um, but just, uh, I, I've never, I think, heard such a loud crowd reaction in PWG as when Chuck Taylor beat uh, Zack Sabre Jr. for the PWG title. That is something that happened, and just, uh, it was just just thunderous. Um, so, yeah, I, like I said, I think with the right storyline, with the right execution, these guys have tremendous value, and even if you don't use them that way, I think they're a very solid tag team that you can put um, you know, kind of in the upper middle tier and, uh, get a lot out of, um, but yeah, the more context you put with these guys, the more you allow them to make that fan connection, I think the better that they're going to do. Okay. Th- this shows how far I am from this because I feel like if I had never watched any of these guys and you showed me a match between, uh, Trent and Chuck and, uh, Marty and Zach, and you said, which one of these teams do you feel like is the underdogs? That I would say Zach and Marty. So, like, I didn't look at these guys and think they're really awkward or they're small or they're strange. You know, so that's a whole gimmick and discourse community and idea that I was not aware of. Mm. Because in the Indies, they all look like that. <laughs> to me, I don't know, like, what makes them supposed to be that, you know? I don't. Is it their look or is it their personalities? I think it's partially a personality and partly it's just perception. Because okay. you know, um, Chuck Taylor is a guy who, in particular who was on the verge of retiring a few years mm. ago because um, you know he, he really wasn't able to get a big contract at the time, or not even a big contract, just like a regular contract. And he'd been working for a long time, and um, you know he thought maybe it would be better just to. Uh, you know, retired than to keep uh, breaking his body for something that wasn't going to happen. But then, you know, he ended up picked up by Ring of Honor. He's worked in New Japan, uh, now AEW. So things things turned around for him quite well. Uh, but it's just a perception thing. You know, these are guys who, who were kind of on the verge of being washed out of the industry before they kind of redoubled their efforts, came back and made something of themselves. Whereas Sabre and Skrull, you know, yeah. yeah, like just looking at them, they're, they're smaller guys. You might not think that much of them, but that that's not really so much a barrier anymore. Yeah. You know, they kind well, of walked out of the UK games. and they got booked everywhere in a big way and they got a lot of attention. So maybe it's just about kind of star power, but that yeah. that's how it kind of got built. Okay, okay. I think my goal, because we'll be doing the show for at least a, uh, 2019 because MLW Fusion will take us probably till no, October or November. Sure. Again, we, we make no promises. We, we will be with AEW as long as we feel like AEW is with us, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. I want to like one moment in pro wrestling that is meant to be funny or meant to be a, a comedy character. <laughs> That's my goal. Okay. Because, like, I don't like Edge and Christian. Like, I like Christian, and I respect Edge, but, like, when, they, when they're being Edge and Christian, I don't go watch their shows on the network. 
Like, I'm trying to think, of, these are guys, I try to think of the people who are established as, like, these are the guys that do it well. And I don't even like them, you know? <laughs> so, one day, one fucking day, I'm well, going to we'll, like we'll something. We'll see if we can find you somebody. You're you're a tough man to amuse when it comes to comedy and wrestling, because I think That's it's kind of it's kind of antithetical to your whole view <laughs> of everything. But we'll see if we can find something. Um, yeah, I don't you're know. You're right. Maybe Scott will be yourself, the guy, because you know? I've seen him be comedic at times, and uh, I know you're already in his corner, so maybe that'll get you over the hump. Who's that? Skrull. Oh, yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Sure. He, he was being... <laughs> okay. We got we got a hell of a battle here, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> oh, I have a phone call. Let me, take, let me take this really quick. Hey. I actually cannot talk at this moment, because I am recording... Episode four of um, All About All Leaked, and we we're we we're trying to find one person who's done a comedy angle in the history of my life that I've enjoyed. So, <laughs> anybody come to mind? So, like, I realized that I, I don't like anybody, any wrestler who's supposed to be funny or any angle. So, like, Edge and Christian, The New Day, um, whatever. Like, is there anything funny done in pro wrestling that I have enjoyed? Alright man, I'm gonna finish the show because we're recording, but I, I appreciate that. We're gonna take up that storyline right now. Alright, man, later. Okay, okay. Someone so, yeah. just pitch you at DX as an example of comedy that you would like. Does this person No, I was you? about to say my <laughs> least favorite Shawn Michaels. Least favorite <laughs> was him. And th- this is this is why a lot of people don't get it when I say that I enjoyed I might have enjoyed the second half of Michael's career more than the first because when he, when he could have a match with Mankind and The Undertaker in 97 that blew my fucking mind, maybe like any, unlike anything else, I couldn't sit through the cringy promos he was doing. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, who is this person? They don't... Have they met you? My God. Nah, he knows me well. That's my brother, my man. I, I wondered if that is uh, your famous brother, so... Yeah. Man. That is. He should and know. Then the NW, maybe the NWO at times did some stuff. Maybe Scott Hall or, um, God, I hate that. I'm blanking on his name. But, like, dude that passed away, it was with oh, Scott Hall. This is unfortunate. Cold. Yeah, like, they they would do some weird, like, okay, I'll, I'll figure it out. I got all year. No need to, no need to figure it out today. <laughs> what about okay. Norman Smiley? You ever get anything out of him? You just hate him, too. Huh. Norman, okay, so maybe not comedy as much. Like, this is more maybe what you're talking about with these guys. I loved the oddity of him succeeding in the hardcore division. Okay, that's actually that that's that's probably the best thing I've come across. They're they're kind of Norman Smiley esque, I think. Yeah. Um. So all right, maybe there's your window into it. <laughs> it's got to be a combo, and that's where my brother was right though about it. If it's all if it's gonna feel forced, like he got me right there. I'm not gonna like it, but. They all, like it was Norman Smiley doing his role really well, and the booking at that moment was done right for Norman Smiley. So he would always win in ways that's so damn improbable, and then he would his confidence would be no more, you know, up the next week, and you know it just like it just worked. Like I, I'm I'm smiling thinking about it right now. So hey, 
We found yeah, something. Maybe <laughs> it's not just the entertainers. Got to be, you know, you got to book them right too. So. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's really key. Okay, so this is the Norman Smiley rule. Now we'll, we will work on that this year. All right, that's the. There's a slim Norman Smiley zone between serious <laughs> wrestling and the Joey Ryan basket. I'm, I'm okay yes. with that. Yes. <laughs> it would be so nice to place someone who should be in the Joey Ryan basket on the Norman Smiley line. You know. <laughs> That'll be a hell of a feat this I year. I hope we can do it. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> okay. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to us so far. We are switching gears from All About All Elite to MLW Fusion, the Legacy Series, Episode 2. When last we left off, Pentagon Dark, Penta, Pentagon Jr. had become a number one contender. He had won himself a matchup. But this week... An old feud is brooding. We're going to see Jimmy Havoc. Is that his name? Jimmy Havoc? Did I say that right? Yep, you got it. Oh, good. Well, Jimmy Havoc versus Shane Strickland. And apparently, after we go past a wonderful intro, which will not be their intro forever, so God, I've got to enjoy it while again. We have uh, some some promo, some, some words, some story, a video package. And you know Shane Strickland's going to ruin the show for me because he can't help but do it. <laughs> So he's just like, now I need you to go. I need you guys. The narrative is that uh, that I never beat Jimmy Havoc. He's beat me twice. He always gets the advantage. He always wins the matchup. And I'm like, oh, guess who's winning this time? <laughs> Thank you for the heads up, bud. So yeah, we start off with a video package, building up. Uh, Strickland is a guy who I, I I I give him some props. I have some doubts. It sounds like you're not like full on hundred percent either, and you've also you had some pushback on Jimmy Havoc, so feelings going into this video package, going into this matchup. Um, like you said, I'm not the biggest fan of Jimmy Havoc. Uh, as a wrestler, I do think presentationally he can do some good stuff. I liked him in this package. Uh, at one point he said he's willing to bleed for his art, which I thought was good a man. cool line. Yes. Whereas on the other side, Shane Strickland said, quote, swerve is confidence. Unquote, which is not a good thing to say. <laughs> so <laughs> certainly one person winning the uh, the promo battle here in the video package. You know why we do three shows together in our history? Yep. I have a line here that says, and I'm not going to read anything except what's on the paper. All right, quotation, I'm willing to bleed for my art, in quote, versus swerve is confident. <laughs> it's it. It's just obvious. Like oh, maybe Shane is better in the ring. I think he's better in the ring, and and Jimmy maybe. But Jimmy two weeks in a row has dropped some lines, yeah. and I'm willing to believe for my art was one of them. And then you go right to that swerve his confidence, and I was like, dear God, the reason that you two don't like each other is because if you're going to deliver anything, Jimmy, it's going to be a line. If you're going to deliver anything, it must be in the ring, and you the two will never meet in the same place. Yeah, no, that's that's strongly my feeling because Shane Strickland. I've, I've talked. I loved Killshot. I thought he was a great character. Yeah. He rarely spoke. He had a compelling story, and yeah. uh, he worked for me in a big way. And Shane Strickland, as himself, has never done that for me. And I hadn't even articulated it, but yeah, he just—I don't know—his promos are nothing to me. Um, and his wrestling, you know, it's good. I've seen better. It's good, but yeah, I just without that character, without that story, it's much harder for me to get into him. Every time he does a promo, he'll do one. Uh, at the end of the match, he reminds me a little bit of Sting in 1990 at the Great American Bash and Halloween Havoc trying to talk. Like, it's a deer in the headlights. Um, 
emphasize this point. I, I, I must say it a third time because they said emphasize the point. I know. Convey it. Emphasize it. It's not a literal thing. You learn how to do it. Okay, he's our heavyweight champion. But I swear to God there was a moment where he said that he was going to become the champion or something. I got confused. There's no belts present, but I believe Shane Strickland is our champion at this moment. Uh, he is. I, I am quite sure that's correct. Okay. So Tony Schiavone and Rich Bokini are on site. Rich looks very happy. I like Rich. He's a simple <laughs> man. He just wants to stand next to Tony yeah. Schiavone. He's, Don't we all? He's geeked, yeah, to be ready to be doing commentary with Tony. Um, and even uh, <laughs> whether I like Tony or not, I can appreciate that. I even I would probably be geeked to be doing something with Tony Schiavone, honestly, because uh, I know it from my own experience. Every time I've met a wrestler, even if I don't like him, I kinda, I, 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 I'm a little starstruck. I got respect for what they do, you know. So. I, I get it, and uh, he's probably a fan of, of Tony in the first place, so it's got to be a dream for him. <laughs> yeah, it's a big deal. It's, you know, the guy's obviously trying to make it as a commentator in wrestling. Yeah. You know, and Tony's out of business, so who, the last thing you think is going to happen is what is happening. Yep, yep. And I, I'm not that big of a meeting. Maybe if I ever got into the system of meeting guys, I'm not that big of a thing. But I, I do. When you mentioned Jim Cornette and the Midnight Express, if I still lived in North Carolina. I would go to that Crockett Cup just to shake Bobby Eaton's hand. Sure, sure. That that's always my problem because I always want to meet them and like try to. I, I want to somehow impart to them like yeah. the good feelings they've given to me. I want to encourage them and like make them feel good about the stuff they've done. I have no idea how to do it. I'm so awkward when I meet wrestlers. Yeah. Even wrestlers like I've like interviewed a few wrestlers uh, on various shows. Yes, he has. Even those people that I've like talked to before, I have no concept of how to speak to them in real life. But I just I want to be positive and like awkwardly push my positive energy towards them. <laughs> yeah, I think it sucks. I think I'm the same way because. Uh, I think the last thing they want is what we want to give them. Yeah, no, yeah. I know. Yeah, for sure. Like, they've heard it a million. They're not interested. They're like, okay, good, great, whatever. Buy my shirt. And I do. Yeah. So, you know, that's fine. <laughs> it's more like in life, if they turned out to like, uh, they really like chess, and you, you just briefly mention, oh, I like chess. And they're like, let's be best friends, because we can talk about anything except wrestling. You're like, well, I'm only talking to you because you're a wrestler. I yeah. like. <laughs> but I will say, for one thing, ladies and gentlemen, and you probably can still go and listen to it, I thoroughly enjoyed an interview that someone conducted with Mr. E C three. That was good fucking that was good fucking tape. Man, I yeah I had a great time with that. I with uh, did one with Rockstar Spud too and that was one of the best ones I've done I think. Man, there's been a lot of good ones. I d I don't really even try to interview people anymore because it stresses me out to talk to these people. But mm. still, like, the few that I've done have been really good. So that, there's something to that. What a world we live in, right? Yeah. no, It's amazing. Yeah, I've talked to some of the people that I like most in all of the wrestling business, and that's surreal to me for sure. Yeah. I mean, that's something to be grateful for, you know? Yeah. Like, I, I don't know if I would, like... I need to learn to like people who are not Bobby Roode, for example. Because, like, <laughs> do you really want to talk to him? Do you really want... Like, you want to talk about anxiety? Another, another guy I've moment? met. Uh, yeah, well... I thought he would tell me, like, you know, you should be out there cleaning your room or working a job. Why are you doing this hobby? You know, your, your father's embarrassed about you. <laughs> and I'm like, God damn it, Bobby. He already told me that. You didn't have to tell me. <laughs> 
So, you know. Yeah, yeah. he's definitely the type who'd be like, I talked to your parents. We're very concerned about how you're doing. (laughs) I asked him, you know, you gotten permission to do this interview or if you need to be doing chores around the house. I'm like, God damn it. I don't live there, Bobby. Uh, Oh, man. Wow. Okay, so speaking of... Big tangent. I don't know. I, I feel like... Maybe this is how wrestlers feel. I'm gonna be, I'm, I'm gonna be arrogant with my two listeners. Maybe they can tell me this or not. Because <laughs> um, I feel like, try as I may, we're not getting the you're not getting the old mystic this round. I don't know what kind of mystic you're getting, but it's a very different one. <laughs> and all I can do is what I can do in this moment. And I'm sorry. It's the effect of modern wrestling on uh, the man called Shane. What, yes. what can you do? It was entering my system. It takes a while to respond to certain things. <laughs> But you know what, Miz fans, speaking of good feelings and speaking of new wrestling and speaking of responding to things, Colonel Rob Parker is in the building. <laughs> Not the first person I would have resurrected from WCW, but uh, at least it wasn't Sonny Ono, so. Yeah. Uh, he's, got, he's, got, he's got the stud stable. <laughs> he's just, yeah, he's just the same. He walked, he walked from, from right out of the legacy series of WCW into this one. Uh, it's unbelievable. It's really not something I expected to see. So, yeah, here we are. He is managing a team called the Dirty Blondes. Yep. And they're taking on Jason Cade and Jimmy Uto. Uh, yeah, I, I have never heard of Leo Bryan or Michael Patrick before. Um, I have seen Jason Cade and uh, the man who's usually called Wheeler Utah, but here Johnny hmm. Utah. Um and uh, I like both of those guys, so I was glad to see them here. Jason Gade, good high flyer. Utah, uh, very good technically. I think you get to see a little bit of that in this match. Uh, but it's mainly about Leo Bryan and Michael Patrick. And i got to say, um, I really enjoyed this match. This is probably my favorite match on the show, actually. Uh, it wasn't like anything to blow you away in the ring, but I understood the purpose of it, which was to get over the Dirty Blondes and the, the, the Colonel Parker association um it was a match that knew what it was about and it did it very well but it also didn't uh didn't make uh utah and cade look like junk or anything they got to do some stuff as well they got to look good for possible future appearances um i thought all the pieces were clicking together really well here and i actually enjoyed this match quite a bit yeah this is a match i went into with zero interest and look yeah favorite match on the card as well Hmm. I have right in the middle of the page, God, this is pro wrestling like I know it. Yeah, yeah. It felt like more of a throwback even than some things that say they're throwbacks and maybe aren't, you know, honestly. Because this, yeah, this is the kind of match that you could have seen, um, like you said, maybe on WCW Saturday Night or something. And I, I mean that in a really good way. Um, it was pro wrestling in a way that I think uh, makes sense when you're building a longer show, when you're not, when not every show has to be the super indie card where every match is the match of the night. You know, it's a match that had a purpose, had some characters, got over as such, and I, I was I was I was down with that. Dude, get the fuck out of my notes, bro. <laughs> <laughs> like right under the statement I just read, I had a I was discussing with myself, would this be a match I saw on the power hour Saturday night or a main event on Sunday night? <laughs> Because it is, it's from that school, man, and, and it's so good, though, because it's a little bit of extra on it, because this is a match to build uh, the Dirty Blondes. Yeah, you got this little bit of storyline where they hurt uh, Cade, and Cade is coming back trying to get his revenge, but we also know it ain't really about that. A lot of psychology. I like the announcers. Like, these are, 
if if I'm going to fit well in a company, the announcers are going to be talking about things like this during a match. Um, sometimes when you come into a sporting event and you want revenge and you're angry, it might not turn out like you wanted to because you go full in. You're not thinking. You're not making a strategy. You're just attacking. And so they're they're breaking down from a psychological level the match and the storyline and the reason and what's happening in it. And I'm like, oh my god, I'm home. Was it and Colonel that? Parker's there. I didn't invite him into my home, but I'm home. Yeah. <laughs> Colonel Parker's there too. Yeah, so, yeah. Colonel Parker stuff. was like they try to make him the focal point, but he was kind of the least important thing in this match to me. So he he was certainly there. Um, was it Tony who said that comment that you just mentioned? I'm mad at myself because I. I don't have the person, so I'm not sure if it's Rich or Tony. I'm pretty sure it was Tony, and I'll just say, the best thing about Tony and all this, this is going to be a weird series, because I feel like we're going to end up liking Tony way more than we ever (laughs) did before, Um, but he's so disconnected from all these modern wrestling tropes, and those include, like, commentary tropes and also in-ring tropes and everything, that, you know, he's never going to speak, like... The, the generic line. He's going to respond to it in a way that is, like, from another era. And I think it's hugely refreshing, actually, that he would talk about it this way. Um, so, yeah, no, I'm right there with you. Yeah, it's mind-blowing for me because I watch this and I recognize there are tropes and I cannot yet get my head around them, but I can still tell Tony can't either. <laughs> like, I'm like, I don't know what they are and how you stand in them, but I recognize this man speaking doesn't know either. Yeah. Because he really doesn't. And like there's a big hang time crossbody by Utah. He's like, Shades of Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. <laughs> yes, yeah. sir, because that's where it all comes from. Yeah. I feel like we've lost, and some commentators still do this, but a lot don't. Um, they, they don't analyze that much, or, or not in a meaningful way. You know, they, they're just uh, excited. You know, they're pushing the excitement. And sometimes, honestly, I think for the right kind of person, I don't have a problem with that. But, man, it's nice to have somebody who's like, maybe being angry will not help this guy win the match. And they're like, oh, he's so angry. This is going to make the match more exciting. It's like, it's not always about, like, are you having the most exciting match? Are you going to win your match? Hello. You know, that's important, too. So, yeah. And I like that, too, because I was sitting there thinking, yeah, but you know what? These guys are a lot bigger than this dude. And, like, it came out with a drop kick, and maybe part of the only reason that he's doing as well as he is is because of the anger. So you can't just say can't just say the anger is bad. But then they didn't just say the anger is bad. They, they said in this context it's not working. In the next context, you know, like, I'm not convinced that if he didn't have the anger, then he would have done better. So who knows? It's just a, like, that's why you really get down to the kind of sporting aspect that Cody's talking about, perhaps, and they're talking about here, is I've got to go with a strategy. And because it's not just super booked for me by someone else, and we're okay with that, I don't know if my strategy will work or not. So maybe I have to change my strategy in the match. Right. And that's compelling. Yeah. Strategy in wrestling is one of my favorite things. Yes. Flat out. So, yeah. Um, this match, uh, the more I think back on it, the more I like it, honestly. There's a lot of good stuff in here. Um, I particularly like Leo Bryan, I think, who they mentioned. Uh, he's clearly trying to look like a young Dusty Rhodes. Mm. And, you know, that's a high bar to aspire to. But he, yeah. he did well, I thought. He did well in this match. I would like to see more of him. I like the succession of elbows where one guy dropped the elbow, next guy, one guy back and forth. Yeah. That was cool. Uh, Colonel Parker ultimately trips up a dude and we get a victory for the dirty blondes. Yep, as expected. But I hope we see more of Utah and Cade also because I thought they did look good in this match and I know that they can do some pretty cool things. Yeah. So 
we are going forward. It looks like we got a tag team tournament maybe coming sometime. I don't know how much we'll get of that, but I want to see. Yeah. I want to see that. <laughs> give me, yeah, give me. we're not only building the, the dirty blondes, but we're building them towards the tournament. Sure, sure, I like it. Okay, so next up we have Ultimo Ninja versus Garza Junior with Selena. Yep, Ultimo Ninja, who is currently on 205 Live under the name uh, Humberto Carrillo. Um, so he is not coming to AEW, if we're still thinking about that. Okay, um, yeah, I'd like to hear these things. I was wondering who he would be, because sure. I, I have mixed like At first I was like, I really like something about this guy, but then uh, uh, he didn't necessarily he pop for me in, in the performance. I thought um, he had a good look, yeah. I've seen him once or twice before in better matches than this, so I think maybe this was not the best way to, to learn about him, but... Uh, yeah, on the other side, we have Garza Jr., uh, who works independently in Mexico for the most part right now. Um, I think uh, he'd probably be available for AEW. I don't know if he would fit on the short list of guys they want. Um, but, yeah, these two are cousins, and they're going to oh. wrestle. And Garza um, – okay, I just had to say this up front. Garza I, – I hate those suction cup bruises, and Garza was covered in them <laughs> to the point where – I found it hard to look at him, so so that was one thing against this match. Uh, I've never seen them before. This is my debut with oh, them. Oh, man. Well, if you keep watching Will Ospreay, you'll see him looking at least as bad as this okay. uh, at times because he loves to do that to himself. Um, uh, this match, I don't know. Like, I kind of wanted to like it, but I yeah. don't think I really did. Um, I don't know. Something about it really never clicked at all for me. Um so I, I couldn't call it bad exactly, but it lost me at some point and never got me back really. Yeah, I'm I'm the same way. Like I was big on it at the beginning because you know Ultimo Ninja for some reason I was like, could this be the guy that's not like? Because Ultimate Dragon I could never get into, and there's a lot of guys who are just like I'm Dragon or I'm Ninja, and they could be really cool, but they turn out to just be like a guy who does a little bit of martial arts and is a little bit stiff and not appealing, and he ended up. Not being what I wanted him to be, and Garza, you know, give him a chance. Uh, Tony Schiavone says at the beginning uh, that Ultimate Ninja, which means the last ninja in Spanish. <laughs> that was really good because I thought I didn't know where you were coming from, Tony. Tony with the beard. Yeah, good guy. Right. So. <laughs> <laughs> I said, which one put in time underwater with the octopus? That was one of my favorite things in the match. Yes, Cheney yes. says Garza trained. Underwater with a 16-foot octopus, and Tony says, do what? <laughs> yeah. Which I thought was exactly the right way to respond to that. So, wait, wrestling is now weirder than you, Tony, so congratulations. Yeah, he's like, I've not heard of that in any sport. <laughs> I, neither have I. That was uh, a yeah. very odd Fair. line to throw out there. I don't know if Rich was just trying to be funny or if that's, like, something that's real. He said it twice. I, I felt like he was trying to, like, it's a storyline that either it's, I, yeah, I thought like there was something to it other than the joke. The octopus wrangler. I don't know. That's a given. Man. <laughs> Go for it. Um, yeah, like you said, Selena is with Garza, and I really would like to know, and I mentioned this last week, why is she with some luchadors and not with others? Because they, they're pushing, like, oh, she has the, the pipeline to, to Mexico, She's all these great connections. She gets all these clients, and good. I'm glad they talked about that. But you know, why some and not others? Give me more with this character. This is a character that feels like they could be rich in story, but uh, I don't know much about her yet. So, so tell me some more, please. That's fair. I've only seen her uh, with um, 
Black Label Pro, right? Or whatever. Yeah, it's and low yeah. key, low key, and I, I think I think she does really well with low key, and maybe we'll see that soon. But right now, if I had only seen these two episodes, I wouldn't even have a second thought about her. Right, right, for sure. So, and Garza, I wanted to like Garza, and I, he's another one, kind of like with watching the Convince Me segment, where I'm not, I'm not gonna officially say I don't like Garza, but like nobody in this match, I'm not chasing tape, I'm not gonna go after their matches. You right. know, they got to come back and do something for me. For sure, for sure. I liked at one point um, Garza like kind of messes up a pinfall. And instead of, like, covering it, Tony just calls him out on it. He's like, I don't know what he was doing with that. I'm like, good for nice. you. Call out what you see. Don't don't try to, you know, yes. cover for everybody because everybody's your buddy. You know, just call uh, call what you see. Um, I, I like that. God help me. Tony might actually win me over in this series. Yeah, it's cool. It's a combination of it being a sporting event and Tony not knowing what's going on, but it's working out well right now. <laughs> yeah, no, it's got a weird chemistry that works. Yeah, and the in the body reversal of uh Colonel Parker tripping the leg. Um Selena grabs the mask and Garza gets the pin. Garza wins the matchup. And Garza actually acknowledges um Selena after the match, which is more than she got from one Pentagon Dark. <laughs> well, Garza needs a lot more help from somebody. So. Yes. Truth. <laughs> okay, so here's what I'm looking forward to. Your thoughts on uh we, we have a little bit of a a video package of one Tom Lawler. Hmm. Uh, I've seen Tom Lawler a handful of times, and I've always liked what I've seen. Uh, I don't know about the Team Dirty moniker. That always sounds weird to me, but uh, it's a solid promo. I'm looking forward to having Tom Lawler uh, get involved. Is he a legit M- MMA guy? He is. He is. Okay. Interesting. I got him on pause. I'm not going to make a statement one way or the other. He's got to get out there and show me something. But I know, I know he's a big time. Uh, got some buzz on him here, so we will see him again. Uh, Tom Lawler. Then we go to the back. Colonel Parker and the Dirty Blondes. Uh, <laughs> Colonel Parker is the man who set off Stone Cold Steve Austin on his journey. Helped the helped the Harlem Heat make money. Uh, other folks I'm blanking on. Sid. Yeah. Sid. Yeah, and now he's gonna do the same thing for the Dirty Blondes. <laughs> Uh, I don't know why we need Colonel Parker, but okay, sure, why not? Whatever. There, there you are not hear anything I just said. Yeah. <laughs> he, he helped Steve Austin become Stone Cold, and he made money. Come <laughs> sure on, man. Sure he did. Sure he did. I want to see him hit on um, Selena, and then she put a Sherry whooping on him, and then he leaves the company. I wish to God we still had Sherry with us, because they had yes. her up. Holy crap. I would be an MLW fan for life. You know, she would fit right in MLW, too, because... Oh, they... yeah. Is there anywhere Sherry would not have fit in? I think she's Vader-esque in that she could have gone anywhere with her act and bent over immediately. Nice. And then boo, MVP, boo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, now, now you're in my notes, because my just, just MVP, ha-ha, <laughs> why? Yeah, good. Why do we have MVP? I... And how are you everywhere, sir? <laughs> I don't get it. Like these guys did the, the MVP Jack Swagger Alberto Del Rio section of WWE. Man, I, I wish they would just keep their damn talent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wish they kept those. MVP is not quite as bad as those other two you mentioned to me, but I, he's a guy I really have no interest in seeing in 2018, 2019. So yeah. they just make their rounds as a. It's like when he was in TNA. Oh God, was I still watching? Like why did I see him? 
But yeah. You saw something because I got an old text saved from you about how he, uh, Bobby Roode threw him through a pile of chairs or something and okay. uh, it parted the crowd like Moses. So you saw <laughs> nice. something in there, yeah. That was actually probably the least, like, some of that was fine because he was just kind of like a manager almost, uh, which is probably a better role for him. He, he'd was be he a like fine manager, older? actually, because he's a good talker. I just, you know, I don't want to see him pushed or anything, so. It's hard to, like, how many. What's he going to do in, like, a promotion like MLW if he's not pushed? You know, I guess we'll see, but... Put people over, hopefully. Okay. I can deal with that. Yeah. I don't know anything about him in MLW, so I don't know how much we'll see. Maybe well, we will. he we likes the ranking system of MLW, and he's got to climb those rankings so he can be a role model for his son. That's what we know from this promo. So. Yeah, when wins and losses actually matter, wink, wink. Not like that other place. <laughs> yeah, it's a little too on the nose, perhaps. Um, I just wish they would get a narrative, any of them, that is not in some way related to WWE. And that's, this is that, that's that AEW challenge. I don't want to hear this shit. I don't want everything... I don't want your whole existence to be I'm not the other guy. Yeah, no, it's so hard because WWE takes up so much space. Um, But, yeah, I don't know. Hopefully they can do it. We got more sit-down with Shane Strickland and Jimmy Havoc. Uh, One more reminder from Shane Strickland that Jimmy Havoc always wins these matches. (laughs) Keep an eye out. (laughs) Uh, I guess – I can't fault them for trying to put over that story, although they did it in kind of a ham-fisted way, um, especially with how the match turns out, you know, so, I don't know, yeah. yeah Jimmy, he could have, Jimmy could have just as much won, but it's just, for whatever reason, however he says it, you know, like, if, if someone else had been saying the same thing, I would have thought, well, is he going to win the match, but, or is it just going to be, like, even more disappointing because he still loses again, but just the way he was saying it, it was, you know, it's just like... Okay, okay, I think I feel, I think I get what you're saying. There's no nuance <laughs> here, buddy. Yeah, yeah, it was maybe a little too obvious. So we're going to the main event of MLW Fusion, the Legacy Series, Episode 2. It is Jimmy Havoc versus Shane Strickland. Um, this is not a no-DQ match, so in that way, maybe it already, um, already supports one guy because the other one apparently is the king of the death match. Or so he says. Oh, yeah. so he says. All right, so here's my thing, and I don't know if you'll agree or not, because I know you've liked the guy so far. Jimmy Havoc talks like an axe murderer. He dresses like he, he's in a horror movie, which they even said, and that's all great. But whenever he wrestles, and this is even kind of in death matches too, but especially in regular matches, he's just a guy, and he's not even like a particularly threatening or violent guy. He's just like a regular guy that you wouldn't give the time of day if he wasn't projecting, you know, um, some good, some good character stuff. Yeah. Everything about him physically though, it lets me down. And that's just where I am with Jimmy Havoc. I can see that. Um, if I had to watch a lot of matches and maybe we will, I I will likely agree. Cause yeah, his talk is big. His dress is a certain style. And one thing I wrote down is on page one, like the end to like second or third note is, this main event feels a lot smaller than last week's main event. Yes. Yeah. And so absolutely. neither guy would ever be booked as main event guy in, in my company. So that's one thing yeah. that I came to. Yeah. You, know. you couldn't say this is a main event anywhere in the world because um, it's just not. <laughs> yeah. I want to say where he will wind up is about Raven's flock and not Raven. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm glad you made that distinction because, yeah, I would put Raven uh a far cry ahead. Yeah. Of if he can keep doing good lines, though, he'd be one of those. Because there was Raven's flock. There's Raven, 
and a couple of other guys who sat next to him who had names and identities and then the rest of the flock. And and so far, <laughs> he wouldn't be the rest of the flock for me, but he would be and he wouldn't be Raven either. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that for sure. And then again, Shane Strickland, like good wrestler. He, he's, a, he's a good wrestler, but so much he's so much style over substance at times. And yeah, you know, he does all this shit that doesn't matter before he does what he needs to do. And then whose house swerves house type. It's just all, it's all gimmicky and there's nothing like I would do. I want to sell shirts. I want to connect with the fans. I would do all of that. But then there's also has to be the part that's just you. And when we get down to just you, it's not always working on that, on that top level that I feel like he's being promoted as here. Yeah. I really can't overstate how much I dislike the whole Swerve nickname. If yeah. you're nicknamed after, like, a hackneyed piece of booking, then, you know, I, I, I don't even get it, you know, honestly. So, uh, I guess the, this this will probably happen if it hasn't already, but it's like, you know, if I were uh, Shane Psychology Strickland or something, like, you can't name yourself a, a yeah. part of wrestling that isn't even part of, like, the real conversation. It's like a behind-the-scenes it's just baloney, you know. Um, Shane Strickland, uh, uh, yeah, I love Kill Shot. Shane Strickland doesn't do a lot for me. I didn't think he was really impressing me that much in this match. Yeah, I mean, just for me, I'm a psychology guy and I'm a storytelling guy. And As your interior designer, I'm saying do everything in black. Walls, sofa, carpet, goldfish, everything. Um, can we not have a bit of color? Maybe one tiny highlight in Battleship Grey. It's your home, so you should be in charge. With Avancard's flexible home improvement loan, you are. You can choose any repayment period that works best for you up to 84 months. That's seven years. Find out more at avancard.ie. Lending criteria, terms and conditions apply. New applications only. Seven-year term applies to minimum loan value of €20,000. Avancard Dock Trading as Avancard is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. So many times, this is like here's another moment. Like he will eventually uh, kick the referee, and knock the referee out, and then he'll reverse the. Um, oh God, I wanted to know it without looking at my notes. The acid. Okay, so the acid rainmaker. Yeah, okay, yeah, the acid rainmaker. He'll have the pin, and then I wrote Shane Strickland, perplexed that the referee's not counting, <laughs> even though he's the one that knocked him out. And genuinely, after that, or maybe he's not perplexed. Maybe he's trying to convey something else that I'm not <laughs> sure. I don't know. That's such an ancient wrestling trope that I can't even hold it against Strickland in particular because everybody does that. And um, just yeah. the look on his face is like, why, why, why are you knocked out? True. Yeah, for you sure. Kick him in the face, dude. What I really liked is yeah, after um, a really close pinfall. Rich Machini, whatever his name is, um, says, now what do you do? And Tony says, you go back on the attack. And I'm sitting here <laughs> applauding Tony because it's one of my least favorite modern wrestling tropes that after your finisher fails to get the win, you have to sit around and look like your dog died for like a minute before you do anything. I'm like, come on, yes. God, for heaven's yes. sake. Oh, man. So that, yeah, Tony winning me over in ways I never expected. Yeah, you're right. And it's like the last 10 matches have had the same kind of kickouts. <laughs> like, are you not catching on at all? Right. It is. Um, there's a really good video that I teach um, in my classes every semester. It's on YouTube. It's called BoJack Horseman Subverts Narrative. Mm. And um, it's talking about at one point that you watch these shows that while they're personal or societally will wake you up to something. And they, I think they use Seinfeld and South Park and Family Guy. 
But then the next week, the characters have completely forgotten the lesson and they've gone right back to who they uh, were the last week. Whereas Bojack Horseman has to live with the consequences of his actions each week. And so I like my pro wrestling to actually for the folks to remember what they did last week yes, and to learn from it. Yeah, that's 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 a big thing for me as well. And yeah, so you're right. It's so, so many levels. Like, come on, give me a break. And Tony Schiavone again. And so it's amazing because the thing I dislike most about Tony is I think was just his like literalness in the world of such fascinating things. And now it might be my favorite thing is where he's just like, well, why doesn't he just do something that makes sense? <laughs> oh, he didn't think of that, damn it. Yeah, th- this is a Tony who's not being twisted into putting over these storylines that he doesn't like. You know, this is a Tony where, you know, in a company like this, I'm sure there's almost no oversight on commentary. It's like, go out and yeah. do your thing. Like, we trust you to be a good commentator. And I think a lot of times that's how you get the best commentary. Um, so, yeah. He's not trying to be in charge of this. He's just kind of watching it and reacting to it in real time. So that that's helping him a lot, I think. Yeah. I think I also learned – so I think uh, my man Shane Strickland does a lot of double stomps, but if they're not off the top rope to the stomach, then it doesn't – it's not the finisher, but then that's the finisher, and then that pins people, so – yeah, after all this, Strickland wins very anticlimactically, I thought. Yeah. Um, I was not a fan of this match. I felt it had no grit, nothing to live up to the promos around it, nothing for Jimmy Havoc to deliver on, like doing promos where he's like licking axes and he's like, yeah. oh, I'm going to murder you and make MLW <laughs> my playground. And no, you didn't, you didn't even really try to do any of that stuff, Jimmy Havoc. You didn't yeah. even try. The ref even got bumped and you didn't bring out – Anything that you talked about you were going to do. So, yeah, this was not for me. I would have him break away from the feud with Shane Strickland and start a feud with the double stomp. So he's like, <laughs> I had an axe out there. I had all these things I was going to do. But you, you were one step. You double stomped. I didn't see that coming. And then he just he's just out there looking for the double stomp. But it doesn't exist because it's just a move and you really just didn't do the things that you promised. But you can't admit that. So we just got you running around in the dark looking for the double stomp and we never – and we never saw him again. I mean, he'll end up running into every uh, match on the independent scene then if he's looking for yeah. the double stuff. And ain't none, ain't none of them got the body type to do it like Kevin Sullivan. I hate to be that guy. But, you know. I, yeah, no, I, I get it. Yeah, he, there, there's a certain kind of guy who can do a good double stomp, and I don't know. Yeah. Big Josh could do a double stomp if he wanted. Buzz Sawyer could do a double stomp. Yeah. yeah. You know, you guys... Like they're like Kevin Sullivan's as tall as my mic stand, but he's just but he's just kind <laughs> yeah, of yeah. It's these as... thick like little guys that could do it yeah. well, but it's all these long guys that doesn't look like anything because yeah. yeah. Shane Strickland for fuck's sake, <laughs> like that's it's like the bendies. I don't know if you remember. This is way back. So this okay, wrestling figures in the nineties. So you had Galoob and Hasbro were the popular ones. Sure. But then you had like they they tried to put out bendoms and stretchums. I think they all had one. They had one. Around and it like the stretchums are made out of nothing. They just stretch a million miles, and that's kind of what Shane Strickland is. And I would never bring a stretchum home to do a double stomp because they got no weight to them. <laughs> All right, the world champion uh, takes the microphone and he lets us know whose house it is and stuff about swerves. I didn't even note down anything because he didn't say anything. So. <laughs> Okay, so very interesting. The first match, the best match to both of us, and that's more of a match building. So there's still to be interesting because I don't know where all the they pay off most of their stuff on TV. They do it elsewhere. So for example, I was a fan of um, the Caramel Colossus having 
that big victory, but being really pissed off because he wants talent and wondering who will show up. Now I'm wondering, you know, what slow build for the Dirty Blondes? Is this a big build? Are they going to meet some tag teams in this tournament? They're going to show them tonight. Everything's like tonight. I'm wondering when does Pentagon get his shot? So there's some things on the back burner that I am excited for. But this was a payoff for apparently a big, long feud. And to me, kind of, kind of had no heat to it. So Sure, yeah. Yeah, I didn't really get the whole idea of it because they showed all these clips of, like, like hardcore deathmatch stuff, like barbed wire and, like, tables, chairs breaking, all this stuff. And then your payoff is just, like, this kind of very mediocre, straight match where neither guy yeah. is really favored. So, I, you know, I don't get it. Maybe they had to write Jimmy Havoc off really quick. I don't think so, because I know he's around later. I've heard about a couple things he does, and okay. he's not a guy who's really been booked anywhere that would require him to be, like, exclusively off somewhere. So I don't know. I don't get it. Okay, so I agree with you, then, because I tried that, you know. I made my little bit of effort, my little pitch, but at the same time, if it's not that, I can't justify it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't understand. But then again, I get it. I'm, I'm going to agree with you. Okay, so... There's a moment we have to put it on MLW. You have a guy last week saying that you guys are sickos who enjoyed Abdullah the Butcher bleeding out Dusty Rhodes. Hmm. And I'm going to give you that. And you get nothing. That's on the company. Yeah, true. But then at the same time, I also want to say that I do think it's possible, even though it's backward. It's still possible. You could have a death match or you got some dirty, like fierce matches. And still payoff being payoff, and even a straight match, some guys can make it they can make it work better than that, make it count better than sure. that. Sure, yeah, I think some people could, but these were not those people. Yeah. <laughs> so. so everybody takes a loss in this. Everyone gets an L. Yeah. MLW uh, and, the, and the guys wrestling in this main event. Yeah, I think MLW, uh, I'm really excited to keep going with it. I'm still very interested because there's a lot of stuff happening, but I do think maybe a promotion where, you know, we're not necessarily going to love every episode. Yeah. Um, you know, this episode I thought was not not actually that strong in some ways. Uh, and yet, I still feel excited for the next one. So maybe there's something to be said just for the positive energy of the company. Yeah, and this is the weirdo 90s shit that's hard, to, that's hard for even me to talk about. But do I want to love every episode? Because right? maybe I do, maybe I don't. Because my favorite thing here was a match that was purposely more of a jobber matchup. Yeah, yeah. You know, so... I like that, you know, I like that they take their time with things. Like, did Pentagon need to be wrestling Shane Strickland this week just because he won the match last week? I don't think he needed to. So, it's weird because you don't have to put on Nitro or Raw or whatever for me to like it. You just have to put on guys that um, are convincing and do a good job. For sure. Sure. And right now, your world champion and his challenger didn't do it. So. <laughs> yeah, so we'll see if they can make better use of them later. Um, but uh, for now, yeah, we'll we'll just have to wait and see. I'm curious about the low-key error. It's weird to me that that's going to be the man. For the majority of our Legacy series, that's going to be the man, I think, carrying the ball. So that'll be interesting to see what I we feel about. I've always liked Loki as a wrestler. Um, I know he has a uh, troubled history of... Uh, backstage stuff dealing with promoters walking out on shows but honestly i'm still excited to uh see him as a wrestler because that's what's most important to me i'm, I'm yeah. down for this era i think it'll be fun that makes me more even more excited not because i endorse that but because he seems like an angry man that would just like <laughs> that's why i've seen a couple of promos but man 
the promos I've seen, it's not that they're that they're perfect or anything, but it's that I feel like I fucking know who you are and who you're trying to be and what the company's trying to do yeah. when I watch some of those. So sure. we'll see. All right, cool. I think that's everything we're going to talk yeah. about today. You got anything else you want to nah, try man. All right, I'm cool. Good. Thanks, everyone, for listening. If you ever want to shout us out, I'm on Twitter. I'm at SpectralGent. Give us a shout. Give us a follow. Um, hope you're enjoying the show. Let us know what you're thinking about it. Check out, please, all the other great programs on LLP Radio. We've got a lot of great ones. The Doc says returning, which is very cool. Really? Yeah, yeah. Hey. Coming coming back, uh, I think, maybe with uh, some more New Japan thoughts than he had before. So good on you, Doc, for uh, branching out and some other good stuff. Nice. Um, probably some good WWE thoughts as well coming down. Uh, Sports Entertainment is Dead, uh, Kingdom of Honor, of course, covering also some AEW stuff. So worth a listen, I think. Perfect 10 Wrestling, probably forgot some, but uh, not the least, which being the Global Revolution, every Tuesday mornings, talking about all sorts of stuff out there in the modern day. Also, LordsofPain.net and LOPForums.com for a lot of great written material. Even got a tournament of writing going on right now in LOP Forums, so please check that out. Uh, a lot of really good stuff going on in there. Join the conversation. Yeah. I think, yeah, that's everything. So, my friend, uh, take it away. Shout out to Chad, the Doc. It's good to have you back. Mm. LOP Radio, man, it's a good place to be. Thank you for listening. And until next time, don't let the legacy be dictated to you. Rewatch, revisit, rewrite. I saw an undiscovered creature. Climbing on the mountainside You know that no one else believed me How about that? With green eyes and white stripes and salted tears I knew that these were just its cautionary features Keep telling myself nothing to fear It's just an undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya He's the one that's scared It's just an undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya He's the one that's scared The undiscovered creature The undiscovered creature I never saw this one in books Or heard a myth of it Looks like it came from underwater I thought I'd seen every life form But there it is An undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya He's the one that's scared It's just an undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya He's the one that's scared The undiscovered creature stripes and salted tears I knew that these were just its cautionary features keep telling myself nothing to fear it's just an undiscovered creature 
coming up to meet ya He's the one that's scared It's just an undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya He's the one that's scared